This is an emergency broadcast from Radio Free Istvan. All Imperial forces, stay away from Istvan 5. The fort flooding in of a massacre on the Black Sands. Horus has revealed his hand and gathered yet more traitorous Primarchs to his side. Ferris Manus is dead. Vulcan and Korax are missing. Stay safe, brothers, and stay away from the Istvan system. The Emperor protects. What's going on, Radio Free Istvan listeners, and welcome to episode 85 of the Radio Free Van Podcast, a Horse Heresy 30K podcast. My name is Michael. Got my co-host Derek here. Go and say what's going on, Derek. yippee ki yay motherfuckers. We also got our uh, hmm. co-host Scott here. Go and say what's going on, Scott. I couldn't think of a... Hey, Merry Christmas. Shitter's full. <laughs> <laughs> and we have powerful Ryan Kimmel over here. Go and say what's going on, Ryan. What's going on? So gentle, so gentle. And do we have a special episode for you listeners out there? Do you we? probably probably coming in from uh from the uh the subreddit, the thirty K subreddit, probably saw this podcast shared on some somebody shared our SoundCloud, something like that, because this is a Space Wolf episode. Fenris and Navidad, motherfuckers. Fenris Navidad. And people love them some Space Wolves, Derek. So this is gonna be the episode where we go ahead and break down some uh some knowledge and, and gift you some information on how to run your space wolves, uh, especially if you're a new player. You know this is this is uh, it works good for for old players, and new players alike. But I think the new players who are interested in space wolves are probably going to get the most information out of this. So what do we got for this episode for you? Uh, normally we're going to go through our intro and hobby progress, and we're not going to stop doing it this episode. And then we're going to go ahead and bring up some Space Wolf background. We're going to talk about that like you've never heard like you've never heard of Space Wolves before, which I think everybody is in some form or fashion a Space Wolf historian. I mean, it seems like everybody knows about Space Wolves and Who doesn't know everything about Space Wolves? <laughs> I don't I don't know. So anyway, we're going to try our best to not embarrass ourselves on that front. Uh, then we're going to go over the Space Wolf special rules and what they can do that other legions can't. Uh, we're going to go into some special units that Space Wolves get. Then we're going to go into some rights of war that Space Wolves are that are specific to Space Wolves. And also we're going to go over some rights of wars that are kind of good for Space Wolves that you can also use. And Also, Derek actually created a list of restricted rights of war that you can't take because of some of the Space Wolves special rules. We'll, uh, we'll get to that. If maybe you read you it can, that way. Maybe you can't. Yeah. Dumpster fire inferno. Anyway... Uh, then at the very end of this podcast, we're going to go ahead and spin the wheel of grindage. And the way that works is, uh, on that special wheel that we have, uh, we, uh, you know what? We'll explain it when we get there. What? Let's go ahead and start with some hobby progress. Scott, what have you been up to? I know we're recording this episode pretty close to our last episode, so can't imagine you got a lot done, but, uh, you know, what's your hobby progress look like? The greatest of all fucking holidays i love christmas by the way you guys have seen the riveting post i put up in our podcast chat today of my daily goings-ons um my kid got a little remote control drone nice not one with the help like a a fucking you know camera on it or anything you just stalk your neighbors with it's just like a a flying little little guy how many hellfires does it shoot i, I we're working on that but we're my dog thinks that is my dog thinks that is all his worst nightmares fucking incarnate. He is terrified of that. <laughs> Vince, that is the work of Satan, that, that drone. 
So pretty fun to watch him run from that. But uh, other than that, <clears throat> getting pretty close to being done with these javelins. Uh, I'm painting the interior cockpits, the seats, all the buttons, the displays, things like that now. And I will be gluing them together soon. I did the front red and the back and white. So sticking with the color scheme I've been working on uh, that's represented but in the book six color plates. You can kind of see that on camera there a little bit. Maybe not the best, but uh, yeah, okay. Anyway, great radio. Uh, <laughs> and I got the new fucking rule book. So I PD bought the ebook of that today and read through it and wrapping my head around everything. I'm pretty fucking stoked that came out. Oh, yeah. So uh, other yep. than that, man, that's me. <clears throat> Love it, dude. Love it. If you're ever oh, interested. Yeah, fuck <laughs> oh, good. I had I had a uh, dinner with fucking Mr. Kimmel. He came down uh yep. Tory at Louisville Mega Caverns and we got a uh, we got some fucking badass hot chicken at Royals Hot Chicken here in Louisville. That's R O Y A L S if you're ever in town. And uh they they do it right. You let let him tell you all about it, but uh yep. I'm a pretty big fan. <laughs> That's Good. badass, dude. That is fucking badass. By the way, if you're ever interested, and, you know, you want to get yourself some good entertainment, uh, go to YouTube and type in cats versus drones. And uh, there's some awesome videos oh, nice. on there of cats fucking up drones. You know, dogs are pretty, you know, <laughs> afraid of it. And, and you know, as a... My dog, Lucy, who's like super mild, if she sees a fucking drone, like the fucking thing from NeverEnding Story the beast or whatever the fuck it is and goes after that motherfucker. I mean, it is on like Donkey Kong. I've never seen fear in my dog's eyes like I did today when that drone took off. It was like he saw, it was like an atheist who saw Satan come from the ground. It was like, no, no, this can't be. This can't be. The science, there's the science behind this. It's like a flying oh, vacuum cleaner. We, uh, uh, just side drone story here. Uh, so, I used to do a lot of drone photography for uh, for different properties, like rental properties and things like that, especially like you know on the coast and all that. And I had to do some drone photography for this like uh, this these plots, like it was like developed land that they were trying to like to get aerial shots to show how close it was to the uh, to the water. And at the time, they were running cows on it. Well, let me tell you. Cows are fucking terrified of drones. <laughs> I swear, I started a, I started a baby stampede, man. And I, I just remember all those cows. Like, there's this like huge brush line, and like it's super thick brush, so they're not supposed to be able to go in. And those cows just forced their way into that brush and like mowed it all down. And I was just like, holy fuck, who do I tell? Because it was just like they're like, hey, yeah, here's the land. Get the pictures. Oops. Come, come, <laughs> give it back to us. And I'm just like, uh, I may have murdered your cows like your cows might all be dead inside that brush over there because it was like super thick brush and they forced their way into it as a stampede uh so yeah cows cows and horses horses are also afraid of drones uh so if you if you you are a drone photographer out there if you have a new drone do not fly it around uh those mounted officers because you will get ticketed so fucking fast (laughs) For their horse, not figuring that out. So, anyway, Ryan, what you up to, man? How was your Christmas? What's your progress? Um, Christmas was good. Went uh, to my 
in-law's house and then over to my grandmother's house. So it was pretty good. Um, got some cool presents. Uh, I won't go into all of them, but the hobby-related ones, my mother-in-law bought me some Tamiya paints for a stocking stuffer. So it was kind of funny to get some Tamiya paints. Um, then uh, I got an RFI sweatshirt and T-shirt because I guess my wife, when she listens to the show, she's heard me several times say, I don't actually have our own shirt, which is weird, but so she got me an RFI sweatshirt and t-shirt. So nice. Those are my hobby related gifts. Um, what was your favorite? As far as hobby related gifts. Um, something cool. I don't know. What got a tire pump. I know that's kind of silly, but yeah, it's pretty. My other one broke, and I was pissed because I've had to air up like two or three tires since then, and it's been a real motherfucker. And so somebody bought me a tire pump. I'm like, fuck yeah, all day, man. <laughs> once, once you once you get up there in age, man, all the practical gifts, you're like, oh fuck yeah, I don't got to spend my own money on this shit. <laughs> like that's pretty much yeah. the level you reach at that point. So very cool. Yeah. What was with the uh, white elephant gift? Uh, with your faces on on the plate and the cups, like what what is going on there? My wife just thought that was funny because she thinks that that cartoon drawing is just ridiculous. <laughs> so she just randomly found some place that will print whatever you want. So she bought like one of those fancy like, um, you know, like those infomercials. Like get this, uh, custom fucking anniversary plate for commemorative thirty seventh president of the fucking you know jewelry mint or whatever like the you know the commemorative plates or whatever so she got this fancy fucking commemorative plate but put that ridiculous picture from <laughs> the cartoon version of me from just the tips on it and gave it away like as a uh, as a white elephant gift do you, i don't think they realize like how many people would pay for that plate like i don't think they understand that they were gifted a collector's <laughs> item <laughs> nah, nobody would pay for that so anyway they printed up a coffee mug with like that picture on it like on th- like it's just that three times repeated the same picture so it's just a coffee mug surrounded with that picture and then a plate with that picture in it we're going to get so many voicemails with bids on that plate <laughs> i already feel it like tell them i'll give them 100 dollars for that plate <laughs> So, as far as actual hobby progress, I built a custom Mortarian. I took a fairly expensive model and cut it all apart and kitbashed it with some other shit because I didn't like the farmer hobo Mortarian. So, he now has a new head, and I repositioned his arm where he's like actually pointing his pistol. So, his pistol's not on his waist. It's actually in his hand. He's pointing it like he's aiming the pistol. And then... I cut up the scythe where it doesn't have the silly made it more like the death shroud power scythe, just a bigger version. So it's still curved, but it's like the death shroud ones and he's holding it in one hand, kind of like throwing it back behind him. And I had to really mess with that arm to make sure that it cleared his cape because his cape blows around on that side. So the way he's holding the scythe, the handle, I had to like mess with things so it didn't hit the cape and still looked all right. Yeah. I saw the picture. He's got a part of, Thank you. He's got part of Typhon's arm. He's got Typhon's elbow, I think. So, because the arm is like bent like this, like yeah, it's crooked like this on that that one side. So when you when you straighten it, obviously there's a big like you know chunk cut out a V shaped chunk. So I, you know, uh, basically cut that off and 
uh, made both ends flush and then put an elbow joint in there so it didn't look weird. Wow. So Get ready to see that conversion on the Radio First Event Facebook page, guys. Yeah, so, and then I, I had to reposition his feet a little bit to get him to fit on the base ride. I added a few skulls to the base to make it match my Terminator Future War bases. Terminator War. And then I had to... His gun is in a like a holster. Now, granted, it's not like a full holster. It's kind of this weird thing. But because his gun is in the holster, I had to take a hobby knife and actually carve the holster into the bottom half of the gun. So I just literally just sculpted the whole bottom half of the gun re back into the gun where you can't tell it was in a holster. Wow. Where'd you learn them skills? Or you just went to hacking? Did it. I just did it. Some fucking kit bashing. Like whittled away at it and... So <laughs> that's that Indiana blood. Yeah. <laughs> it was fairly, fairly extensive, but I think it looks pretty cool. I looked online and there's nobody, there's a few people that have converted him, but none of them really look. So I'm pretty happy with the way it turned out. None of them look like he's uh kicking ass. They all kind of look like he's like a, a reaper. Yeah. Like a farm hand. And then um, his actual hobo head he messaged me and he goes, "Hey man, I got a Mortarian that I lost the head to. Will you send me your head?" And I was like, "Yeah, fine." But I wasn't just going to send him the stupid hobo head. So I had two heads that I used on mine, but I didn't want to give him the same head that I used on mine. So mine was fucking unique. So what I did is I cut the respirator and like shaved it off the face really carefully, and then took the normal hobo head and shaved his face down and widened out the hood with microwaving it and spreading the hood away from the head to make it wider and then put the respirator on the standard head as well. And I'm going to mail that head to Samson. So Samson's getting a custom Mortarian head too. Ryan Kimmel. But it's different than mine. Ryan Kimmel custom. Where'd the head come from? Did I miss that? Um, I don't know. I forgot because I don't want anybody else to have it. No, I'm just playing. It's from Spellcrow. Okay. For space night heads. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, man. I was like, I was like, damn, that's but, a nice uh, head. And it's big. It's big as shit. <laughs> yeah, I spoke around some cool but stuff. I, I I built and converted him. I built uh two uh normal Sakaran battle tanks and I built another uh Demios Vindicator. So all that's built. And then um I painted all the green on 70 infantry and got it remember we were talking like i was working on that last podcast i finished all that and i uh the decal process on all of them as well what a motherfucking boss so i don't think that that's too bad for what it we've it was only been like four or five days since we recorded so. thursday and it's monday now so yeah no nice Good job. Anyway, got all that done. And then Scott, for my birthday back in August, bought me a gift certificate Omega Caverns where you can spend it on what you want. So I basically just handed the gift certificate to my wife. I mean, I still was going to go, but I'm like, you pick out what you want to do because I don't want to pick something that you're not going to do because Scott got it for both of us. He got it, put enough money on it where we could both go. So there was like an electric bike tour through the cave. a it's big enough you can drive your car all the way through it, and they set up Christmas lights all throughout the cave where you can drive and do like a thing, but inside the cave. There's a full-blown BMX course 
inside the cave and you can rent a BMX bike and a helmet and like do all the fucking jumps. It's like a professional BMX course in the cave. Um, there's also a like with fucking rope ladders, fucking zip, all kinds of crazy shit that you can go on this obstacle course. And lastly, there's a zip line tour where you actually zip line through a cave. Um, huh. What the fuck was that cave? She, like, was she, it like a naturally ca- naturally formed cave? No, it's man-made. It used to be a big limestone mine. Okay. So the actual tunnels of the cave are fucking huge because you got to be able to drive a pit truck in there. So like from floor to ceiling, I would say it averages 40 to 60 feet. Jesus. Wow. It's fucking huge. I just want to know. Like, so it's fucking huge. Like what and dude was like, you know, like looks at that cave, like he just like bought it and he's like, you know what? Those some BMX tracks in here. <laughs> <Exactly>. Zipline. <laughs> Zipline BMX shit. Cause it was like in the nineties. So like BMX was like bumping. It's like, you know what? Some like nineties version. Well, of they like also, Rob the, yeah, the city <laughs> of Louisville, the city of Louisville keeps their road department there. So all the salt that they put down on the roads for winter time. I know you guys don't know anything about that. What? But all the, all the fucking, <laughs> they have to keep like this huge stockpile of salt to salt all the roads and shit in the winter. The cave that's about a mile long, and that entire like finger of the cave is just nothing but fucking salt piles, just a mile deep of salt, where they can just go in with a front end loader and load up all the trucks with salt. All that's down there too. Yep. So if you're a kid and you're here and you're hoping you're going to get out of school because of snow, think of fucking again, buddy. Yep. <laughs> there is a lot of salt. It'll be okay. They had a bunch of like. Um, I think the city also keeps a bunch of construction equipment. Like instead of having like a big garage to store all that shit in, they had like a whole bunch of just equipment parked down there too. Cause the fucking thing's huge. The cavern's huge. So anyway, we went on the zip line tour and they got the zip lines like right below the roof of the cave. <laughs> so when you're zip lining, you're still like from where you're at on the zip line to the floor of the cave, you're about 50 feet in the air. And there's just anywhere like- between like, stalactites like, just like zipping by your head <laughs> that's all i imagine like nah, there's no stalactites because the cave's not that old because it takes like almost i think it's like 70 years for them to grow an inch oh. so even though the cave was made in the 30s like the longest stalactite in the cave that they found is like four inches long something like that <laughs> here it is so it's fucking like, old old gray beard <laughs> Yeah, the that's oldest. what they do. They literally do that. They shine a flashlight on it. This is the biggest stalactite. It's pretty funny. Um, yeah. What on your hats, uh, boys? Near the, near the top of the cave, and they're between like three. I think the longest one was 950 feet, and the shortest one was like 300 and some feet. And um, on some of them, like the real long one, you get going about 45 miles an hour on the zip line. It's pretty fucking crazy in a cave. You're in a cave going 45 miles an hour on this fucking you know, zip line. It's pretty badass. Wow. That sounds awesome. And cool. But, uh, the guides were really Damn. cool. They, they told a bunch of corny jokes and shit, but I, they, they sort of fucked with people, which was funny. Like there was this one older lady that was all acting nervous about everything. It was like question about everything. Is this hooked up? Right. Blah, blah, blah. And like, just kept at it, kept at it. So one time the guy, cause you do one zip line, you get to the other end and then you usually like walk, to the next one and then do that one and then a short distance next one to that one i think there's like eight different ones as you go through the cave and they give you a tour of the cave as you're going down these zip lines so like somewhere in the middle he's hooking her up and he's hooking all this shit up and he gets it all hooked up and he goes uh he hits the radio and they always say okay i'm gonna send because i got a person on the other end 
and he they're like uh we're gonna is, is the line clear and they're like yep line's clear and he goes okay you're good to go and he clicks the last thing in place and as soon as her feet fucking leave the ground i mean like a millisecond later like he's pretending but his face turns to horror and he reaches out to her and he goes no 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 wait 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 <laughs> and she goes oh she's screaming and he starts laughing and as she's going away he's like just kidding because <laughs> she kept like was nervous about everything <laughs> you dumb bitch <laughs> all rude like <laughs> So she's like, is this that this? And so as soon as she fucking, I mean, literally the middle, like as she's going off and it's too late to stop. He's like, wait, 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 no, no, no. (laughs) She's going to die. (laughs) That's cool, man. And what is this place called? Uh, Louisville Mega Cavern. The Louisville Mega Cavern. Yeah, if you don't know anything about Kentucky, we have caves here. Like, yeah, southern Indiana and Kentucky is full littered with caves. There's fucking caves everywhere. Just man-made caves or like natural caves? Like, are they all just man-made? Both. No, it's both because there's so much limestone here, and limestone dissolves. So there's natural. Like Mammoth Cave is the largest cave in the world. Natural. It's in Kentucky. And when- and if you see a video online of like a sinkhole opening up and swallowing a house or some shit like that, it's probably here. That happens here. They had one open up underneath the Corvette Museum. Oh, I saw that. Five or six years ago, and it swallowed oh, no. like priceless Corvettes. Yeah. yeah. And what's funny is they, they just, just uh, when, uh, whenever that happened, they left the Corvettes in the hole in the ground and then just put like a glass floor over it with a rope so you can like look down and see all the fucking priceless Corvettes and fucking tatters at the bottom of the hole it's part of the museum now there it is <laughs> that's, i think that's the cheapest solution honestly just yeah just throw a glass ceiling over it and uh yeah it's a it's an attraction now Woo. Put fun, some, fun for the kids yeah put some zip lines in there some bmx <laughs> we'll be good to go so but yeah in southern indiana is like that too i think the faint most famous cave in southern indiana is moringo cave um, it's not like Moringo. big or anything, but it's got like all the all the cool formations that Michael's talking about, like the big stalactites, like prettiest caves in Northern America. If you look up Moringo Cave, if you're on but anyway, I, if you're on I sixty five, there's usually a billboard advertisement for it. Yeah, but Mammoth Cave is the biggest that's in Kentucky, and then we got like in in Indiana, there's like Crystal Caverns, Moringo Cave, there's all kinds of shit. It's funny because a lot of them are owned by the state, and they're like state run and a lot of them are privately owned. So like if you go to like a privately owned one, it's fairly sketchy. It's like some fucking farmer. You like pull up to his barn and he probably sees like five people a year and you give him 10 bucks and he's like, yep, there's the cave. The guideline, it'll take you to the end. Just fuck, follow it. Here's a flashlight. (laughs) Watch out. Slippery. You're slippery. Don't turn right. Um, Stay to the left. (laughs) It's the most fun you can have in a hole in the ground. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh yeah afterwards we went to that uh it's a nashville hot chicken place but it's in kentucky that royals place and it was damn good and we were laughing because scott was telling us the hottest chicken that they have there they give you gloves to eat it so you can't touch it because the sauce is so fucking volatile you can't have it on your hands but you're eating it with your face so that doesn't like it doesn't seem like a good move to me i propose the idea that we could film me trying to eat it for the podcast and put it on the <laughs> Facebook page. <laughs> what what happened to that? What, what, where's, where, where's that footage? Oh, well, that's we're incubating that idea for yeah. a little while. <laughs> See where my health is at first. 
I'll I'll buy aloe vera for you for your uh, <laughs> eventual passing of said chicken. We'll get, we'll get some authentic Mexican aloe vera too. <laughs> Just send you a whole, oh, whole the, cut of the My plant. wife may or may not have stole from the restaurant as well. We made it halfway out the door and she's carrying her fucking glass. She bought this. Bur- it was a bourbon. It was some type of pear bourbon slushy. So it's like a bourbon slushy, which is the fucking most white trash Kentucky thing ever. It's pretty yeah. awesome. Um, so she's got this bourbon slushy and she drinks it and it's in this nice glass and she starts going out the door with it. And I'm like, why do you have like, that's, and she's like, oh, I thought it was a souvenir and we're kind of like discussing it. And Scott's like, ah, fuck it. Let's go. Yeah. So we just left. So we may have some of their fucking dinnerware. We may have like one of their glasses you're not supposed to take. I don't know. But I've, I've I've seen that painting before. Where was <gasps> it? Was at Royals Chicken? <laughs> you put that painting in your purse. But anyway, that's pretty much my hobby progress, I guess. Love it, man. Derek, oh, how was I your? I put beer? a Forge World. Oh, oh, real quick, I put a Forge World order in for our game club. So we ordered eighteen of the new rule book. Um, then I ordered. I was only going to get two Predators. But then when I punched in Demios Predator in the little search thing, the little fucking three set of three came up, and you actually get a seven-pound discount per Predator. So I'm like, well, fuck, they're 50... I think they're 57 pounds normally, and then it's 150 for the three, so you're saving seven pounds per one, so you could basically get one at, like, almost half price. And they, fuck, they fucking oh. got me. So just take that to fucking heart, yep. Games Workshop and Forge World. Like, when you make these fucking <laughs> bundles, actually make it a discount because it got me. Because if it was the same price, <laughs> I would have just bought the two because I wouldn't have gave a fuck. Now I have a third one that I don't even know what the fuck I'm going to do with. Like, stick it up my ass or something. I don't even know. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's literally just like, what? I can get one for half off? <laughs> fuck yeah. Merry Christmas to me, motherfuckers. <laughs> Click. Yeah. I'm basically, I'm basically stealing. <laughs> I'm basically stealing, only not, because I paid what they wanted, but whatever. So, yeah, so they fucking got me. So I have three Predators, even though I only needed two. Then I got a, a Sicker Inventor, um, a Xiphon. Um, <clears throat> then I ordered a bunch of Rhino, the newer Rhino style, the, the Demios doors and the Mars pattern, but the new doors, the new style, and the Land Raider doors for my buddy Jay. Um... I think that's it. So I got a bunch of Demios Predators, Sicker Inventor, Xiphon, Doors, and then 16 books. Badass. So, pretty fucking cool. It's like 900 fucking pounds. Fuck yes. Let them know. Let them know. Did you you put that RFI made you bust? Uh, yes. Okay, good. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Just, you know, they needed to know. And by the way, everyone listening right now, uh, we've been scouring over the digital copy of the Age of Darkness rulebook all day. Everybody here. Oh, yeah. We all bought the digital copy, too. So we have that. And so that should be a uh, that should be a future episode, a little breakdown. We're going to try and get one out ASAP, but uh, pretty deep into it right now. Pretty deep I got yelled it. at twice at the Christmas party to put my fucking phone down <laughs> because... I was just reading the new rule book, and then I read it so much that it fucking died. So I lost my phone because the battery died because I just sat and continually read, read the new rule book. So. <laughs> That's dedication. I just kept, I just sat in the index, and I would just like like 
roll through the index, like clicking on different hyperlinks to find, you know, the like rules that I think that were a little bit contentious at one point, and then it would just send me over there and be like, <gasps> "Did that change?" And I pull up the the seventh edition rule book and it'd be like, "No, no, it didn't." <laughs> oh, okay. I just didn't know that. <laughs> Some of them didn't. Yeah. There's actually quite a few little changes that I've noticed, and I've not even really scoured it, scoured it. I just kind of did a brief like go through, and I bet that there's at least a dozen changes just from my first time going through it. Yeah. I I think they're slowly, I mean, uh, by, by the time we talk about this, we'll have like some sort of a list or some sort of breakdown so you can find all the changes. But, yep. I mean, right now, just the things that I've seen on the interwebs from the people who also have it, uh, the the super heavies are in there updated. The what yep. else? The <laughs> people are talking about the the big one right now. That's my, my phone is blowing up actually as we speak because uh, Tim from iForest just posted into Mechanicum calling the Grav Imploder the Gimplo- oh, the Gimploder because <laughs> oh, no. the Grav Imploder got nerfed. Uh, well, it needed to though. Like it's fucking. It was bananas before, and that fucking grav rule. People hated it in 40k, and then they ported it over to 30k when it didn't need it. <laughs> and it just it needs to be fucking changed. I mean, it's still it's still AP two and still shoots like four fucking times or five times or whatever the fuck <laughs> it shoots. No, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's three, four. <laughs> yeah. It's still pretty powerful, man. I mean, it's. Everything I've seen so far, you know, I mean, the, the the most thing that people are talking about is the things that people want to go look for immediately, and looks like the uh, the demons that are now scoring, regardless, every fucking demon that is conjured is now scoring, regardless. Like yes. that's 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 a yeah. I still because that's that's just a copy paste from the original rulebook. Yeah, edition, which is where everything scores. So I still think that that's a typo. Um, me and Scott were talking about it. I mean, I still, like, I mean, obviously, if you read that, rules is written 100%. I mean, they're a fucking 100% scoring regardless of what you summon. That being said, if you actually read the army list thing, it says that they count as any other unit as far as scoring points for a mission goes. Yeah. Scoring, it basically breaks down what's scoring. So, if you put those two things together, it doesn't like a hundred percent spell out, you know, conjured units that are conjured that are normally troop choice score. But it, I guess in my mind, where the, the section where it says they count as any other unit, you know, for purposes of objectives of a mission, to me that would mean they can score objectives, or deny objectives, you know, depending, and then they're also going to count as kill points or whatever. I just I- don't play it. I don't know, man. I'm just wondering if they had. Never mind. Uh, it's a there's there's a uh, like right now you you look at all, like basically we're just gonna be padding the FAQ at this point, like because there's gonna be certain things that we're gonna need some clarification on. Uh, yeah, but they answered quite a bit of things on the FAQ. I I think we can cross five or six things off the FAQ. Yeah, but there's going to be some some like like the whole the whole grenade launcher thing. We can assume that it was a a typo on the grenade launchers losing their one time use only for the or I'm sorry the combi weapon. Just the grenade launchers. Yeah. Yeah. If it was just the grenade launchers, I would I would have maybe questioned it. But the fact that it's also the Volkite version, like uh, it's and it's all three together. I mean, to me, it's an obvious typo. They just didn't put it on there. 
Yeah, but their their points aren't too different. That's the only thing. Like, and you, you compare like a combi melta like to a combi grenade launcher. You know, it, they're all know. the same. All combi weapons are the same. Yeah, exactly. They all cost ten points. Exactly. So, like, you look at like a combi plasma is almost better than a combi volkite. I could see like because the grenade launcher and the volkite are generally weaker weapons, and so using them as multiple use, it's not a huge deal getting max six times to use them but then i guess no i don't i don't think it's a big deal yeah but, i mean who knows i mean i wouldn't care one way or the other but it's just kind of weird yeah i mean i can get the whole grenades because the marine I'm has more grenades. i heard about the oh man they're they're my there's a fucking nemesis of my war gaming career is me getting my dick hole smashed in by demons so <laughs> it's just my life. I just accept it. I don't even. I'm just like that's whatever. A, that said, I mean, I have never ever seen anybody like really abuse summoning in 30k. Never. Yes, you're. you're I've not even heard right. about that on the internet. I mean, ne- like it's not really easy to do. The only way to, the only way to easily do it, hold would on. be easily. <laughs> Whoa, hold on. Huh? No, 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 no. The, seriously, the only way to to be able to do it easily would be if you could take demons as primary, and there's no way to do that right now. Yeah, right. And um, um even that's when a, and, that's really and when demons become primary, they're going to have to write all their own unit entries or whatever. So it may clarify it there. And there's really mm-hmm. only one army that can even take demons. You know, not I, I. I can I, other than you and uh. Jeremiah, the Michigan GT guy, that you guys Bro. are the only two word bears players I've ever played. So, yeah, neither one of us yeah, abuse, like right, we just take right. like, some fairly basic stuff, and then we may like summon troop units, like whatever. But yeah. you're talking, we maybe have, yeah, I think my army, I think has at the most like 10, 10 dice, winning takes you know three successes. So you have to roll six or seven dice just to have a slightly better than fifty percent chance of getting it. So you're only really going to be able to cast it, you know, turn maybe twice, but usually only once. So it's really not that yeah, big of a I deal. I don't think it'll be that big an issue anyway. Yeah. I mean, you know, if twice per game you get two, you know, free 90-point units of fucking bloodletters that die to bolter fire, I don't really, like, whatever. Yeah, we could, yeah. We could theory hammer it, but I, I, don't, I really don't see it being an issue. Yeah, but yeah. like we said, guys, we'll uh, we'll, we'll go over it's this rule book here and give you a proper rundown with all the changes. That way, if you're a forty k seventh or sorry thirty k seventh edition player, which was forty k seventh edition, and you can you can understand and move over and see exactly what you need to remember and. Uh, yeah, I don't think hard. I saw any changes that I didn't that I didn't like. No, I didn't. I haven't either. Um, I'm I'm happy that a lot of the stuff that I've seen them clarify, I'm extremely happy with. So, I mean, you get to play with your Blood Angels Bane Blade now. That's fucking really cool. So, I had a really yeah. surreal moment, like looking at that on my phone, like the Horus Heresy main rule book. I was like, wow. This is fucking nice. What a peaceful feeling I have in my heart right now. <laughs> Greatness. Truly, it was a Christmas miracle. Good on you, Forge World, for dropping that digital copy. Fire hose, sonic weaponry, and riot shield for a day and just enjoy it. Yeah. 
I love. I deleted my seventh edition Warhammer 40k rulebook off my phone, and it felt like removing a tumor from my body. <laughs> I was like, nah. yeah. I think I want to just load up all my seventh edition codexes and rulebook and just drop it off at half price books and take a picture of them on the counter. Good riddance. <laughs> this is yeah. good luck. <laughs> so yeah. Okay. Derek, what's up? How's your Christmas? <laughs> I am so glad to be done with working retail during the Christmas holidays. Like that is the biggest weight off my shoulders right now. Like I, I don't even think I can believe that it's actually over right now. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm still like coming to terms with the dumb bullshit I no longer have to deal with. But uh, yeah, that uh, mostly I've just been dealing with the Christmas stuff since we last recorded. Uh, finishing up my shopping because I do it last minute. And, but yeah, now that that's done, I'm looking to actually get some, a decent amount of time off here in the near future so I can actually get some meaningful work done and get everybody off my back. But, uh, aside from that, what I've mostly been doing since I haven't had time to really sit down and like jam out a bunch of progress is I've just been kind of, uh, accumulating stuff like the, uh, those transfers I got, the, uh, stencils, and I've been looking into different conversion kits for rhinos because as much as I love orbital assault, it's not always great to only be able to play orbital assault. Like in team games, when I'm not playing a null deploy with a null deploy teammate, just kind of dropping half my stuff in front of, you know, two armies worth of stuff ends poorly. <clears throat> so... I've just been looking at different conversion kits. I know we talked about a bunch of them last time, but uh, Ryan actually brought up the Spellcrow for the head on his Mortarian. They actually have some like armor plates for uh, for some of the rhinos. Well, not for the rhinos, but they I think would look great on the rhinos. And then uh, some like wolf pelts and other stuff like that that I was thinking about incorporating. But uh, yeah, so far I'm just waiting to get some time off so I can jam out a bunch of shit. That sounds fantastic. How was your Christmas? Uh, it's over, and that is exciting to me. But uh, yeah, I had a pretty good Christmas. Just spent some quality time with my family. Nothing as uh, exciting as Ryan's great cave adventure. <laughs> Zip lining <laughs> underground. Did you pop your fucking Die Hard cherry? Yes, I fucking did. Watched Die Hard okay, last night for the go. first time. Welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> yeah. So so all of these uh, uh, Facebook like alerts that you've been seeing about like how... Germany's been uh, added to the <laughs> gunfire in Nakasobi Plaza. <laughs> yeah, like these these jokes now make sense to you and are a lot less terrifying than we might be. You know, well, I mean, are I've not always, in fact being attacked by German terrorists. I've always understood the references because I mean, like I've I've always known. Oh, okay, that's a Die Hard reference. Uh, um, that'll make more sense to me when I watch that movie. But I mean, I I can recognize most Die Hard references before I saw the movie, but. Now, yeah, a lot of it does make more sense, I guess. That's good. That's good. I'm happy for you. Me too. I'm happy for me too. Love it. Well, all right. Yeah, as far as my hobby progress goes, man, uh, we assembled three more fancy little... Uh, little. Hold on, I got to say this right because Dan called me out for it last time. Acquisistors? Oh. Acquisistors? Acquire... Dildozers. Acquisistors. The Aquasistors. The Arquasisters? The Arquasisters, yeah. Anyway, yeah, we got three more of those assembled, so I'm, I'm actually kind of 
less than a week away from just getting a uh, just getting like the picture. Like I've wanted this picture for a long time, just having all nine of them painted and ready to go. And so they're about a week away from being ready for that. Uh, the only thing that the only problem with that is because they're so easy to knock out and so easy to get done. Uh, I've been kind of putting my sisters on the back burner. I haven't run through them, but I can get those knocked out pretty quick too as well. So sisters are good to go, man. Nice. I was told that I have a third party Janisha Kroll conversion being sent to me. Uh, I don't know what the model is going to be, but I'm pretty excited to see what that is. Uh, I have not seen anybody else. Like I haven't seen a Janisha Kroll, like third party character that like makes that like looks like it. So kind of see, kind of curious. I'm wondering if it's going to be like a, uh, uh, toughest girl in the universe kind of thing or I don't know. It could be anything. Yeah. Uh, as far as Christmas goes, man, did the whole family thing. Was pretty excited about that. Um, my, my family is pretty, pretty wild. Like, cause we do like white elephant. So we buy each other gifts and not white elephant, uh, secret Santa. And, uh, they're pretty good about just buying, uh, <laughs> just, just buying gifts for my cat. So she got a whole bunch of gifts. That was pretty cool. So she got a whole bunch of toys and stuff like that. So she had a great Christmas. Um, I got a, I got a KitchenAid mixer, which I really wanted. So badass. Can now like I'm gonna get the the sausage attachment so I can start making sausage so I can start grinding up. So far, it sounds like you had the Christmas of a 50 year old lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not even not even mad. I saw I saw the uh, new Star Wars. Uh, uh, Last Jedi <laughs> wasn't not complaining about that one. Terrible, one great, <laughs> one terrible. <laughs> this is like right in the middle. Uh, what I expected. <laughs> saw Bright. Watch that Will Smith movie Bright. That was pretty good. And I'm in uh, playing a fuckload of PUBG on Xbox, which is fucking fantastic. I have no complaints, man. I had a fucking good Christmas. That sounds badass. So that's what I got. That's where I'm at. Oh, and on top of that, I uh, I made channels in our Discord group, which I know you guys don't see anyway, but for the people listening right now. I'm uh, trying to get it set up. If you were in the Discord group, now there are four different channels. There's one for a work in progress. There's a general board. There's the list help board. And then there's the uh, rules question board. So like, if you're in the Discord right now, uh, instead of just a insane chaos that it was, and probably still is now there's some channels you can go into and there's already people using the list help board uh to get their list looked at and all that jazz and there's a bunch of very helpful people uh inside the uh, inside the discord group that are that are working it out and helping people out so shout out to all the helpful people in our discord chat yeah for sure you know who you are so anyway on to not hobby progress anymore you already knocked out this uh, space wolf breakdown space wolves Far away. The fight in sixth. Okay. So, so Derek, I'm going to let you lead this one because you came pretty well equipped. I mean, you have an Arctic 30-ounce tumbler right now with the Space Wolf Legion logo cut out of it. Yeah, I'm pretty proud of it. So, I feel like you're probably the most uh, the most qualified to start talking about the Space Wolves. So. Probably, but I'm also the most likely to just be completely wrong. Okay. Well, I will. I'm willing to deal with the fallout from that. I don't give a shit. So I'm going to ask you questions like an interview and you just tell me like a documentarian. 
how was, you feel about Space Wolves. I was there. Okay. So, but first off, let me explain what's going on. So, all you people listening right now, you're probably, uh, if you're not a long-term, a long-time listener who just got this popped up in their podcast feed, uh, you may have come from uh, some other reference letting you know that you can listen to Space Wolves uh, and how to play them in Horus Heresy. So, what we're going to go over right now is we're actually going to go over uh, all these special rules and things like that. Uh, we've already mentioned that we're going to go over the special units. We're going to go over the uh, special rules for them. We're going to go over the rights of war. Um, but first things first, we're going to go over some of the background on the Space Wolves. Uh, so let's go and do it. So Derek, why don't you uh, why don't you let us know some some background on just who are the Space Wolves? Where do they come from? All right. So Lehman Russ, the sixth Primarch, he landed on when all the Primarchs were scattered. He landed on a Death World Fenris. It's mostly depicted as like this iced over, just frozen wasteland, but due to its fucked up orbit, it has a short like summer period that happens like once every two years where there's just like uh, earthquakes and volcanoes and just violent eruptions. But uh, turns out that planet is technically inhabitable. So Lehman Rust lands on this planet and is basically raised by wolves. Until, I think, uh, a few years later, the king of Fenris, some of his hunting parties were, like, taking care of these wolves that were just killing everybody. And one of them just has a baby child with them. They're like, oh, this dude's tough as shit. I guess he's my son now. Like, <laughs> who, who else can raise this, this fucking violent bastard? So, Lehman Russ basically grows up to be king of this planet. And then he gets brought back into compliance with the Great Crusade. And by that time, the High King of Fenris has died off, so Lehman Russ just kind of took over. And then, so up until that point, the Sixth Legion, I think they were called like the Overseers. Uh, there's some artwork of their uh, pre-Russ uh, armor armor scheme. Basically, even then, they had a violent tendencies. Basically, any planets they brought into compliance, like they brought them in with like extreme brutality. They just like fucked some shit up. But uh, once they brought Russ back in, it kind of he kind of tempered it a little bit. So he brought in some of his uh, his personal like uh, his high guard, like a lot of like his closest like Jarls and things like that. And they were a little too old to be Space Marines, but they were able to kind of circumvent that a little bit with Russ's genetic material. But a lot of people speculate that's what caused some of the genetic instability of the Space Wolves. Yeah, I think that was probably like one of the coolest things. Like, you look at Lehman Russ and, like, who he is as, like, a character when you start looking at all the different Primarchs. And when you start breaking down the different Primarchs, like, you look at, like, uh, Lionel Johnson or uh, Rogel Dorn or Rubut Gilliman. Like, they really don't care too much about their uh, their subordinates. You know, they're just kind of like, this is your position, this is what you play. Uh, but when Russ was brought over uh, to the to the emperor and, you know, was given his legion. He made sure that he brought all of his boys with him. And, uh, so that whole, I don't care what it takes. We're going to make them space Marines kind of nonsense that he made happen. Uh, really? I mean, that, that just kind of lets you know who he is. Like as a, as a, as a primark, you know, if you're going to, if you're really into camaraderie and things like that, then uh, you're really going to like space wolves. I mean, that's just really how they run. It's kind of like a, uh, a, a hat tip to the like the viking way i guess oh yeah like a lot of their like uh military structure is still kind of informal like uh you've got large packs uh instead of squads and they kind of just move around and do what they need to do under different commands 
So instead of having, you know, this company commander and here's his squads under his company and all that, you just have different packs. And it's like, okay, well, uh, so-and-so needs you for this. So you're going to go over with his, uh, you know, under his command for this specific mission and things like that. But actually, uh, one thing that I think was fucking badass is the first thing Russ did once they made him Primarch. You know, like, all right, so if you want to like take some time to like get acquainted with your Legion, let them know how things are going to be now that you're around. Cause it's a pretty big change for the overseers now that they're, you know, the sixth Legion, the sons of Russ or whatever you want to call them. Well, he's like, okay, so we've got these Terran space wolves and then we've got these Fenrisians. We just made space wolves. So already I can see there's going to be some clashing. So what we're going to do is we're all going to get in this bus and we're going to go to the shittest shithole that the emperor can fucking find. And they go to the ring of fire and basically do one of the like shittiest campaigns that Russ could have signed up for. Cause he's like, I want to crush this now. After this, we are all brothers. Cause we all made it through some dank ass shit. Which is pretty much just like the ideal. Like this is, that is exactly how Russ runs his fucking ship. It's like, Oh yeah. He wants everybody to be friends, and he wants everybody. Like I think, uh, I think it was actually in the the most recent Primarch book where it mentioned that uh, as long as you weren't afraid to basically get knocked the fuck out, you could say whatever was on your mind without fear of dying. Pretty much, like, like uh, if you listen into if you listen to any of like uh, you know stuff that deals with like perturabo or anything like that if <laughs> not, it, not the same policy from, uh, <laughs> lord of iron yeah the lord of iron's gonna fucking murder you if you talk out of line whereas you know it lehman russ you as a <laughs> exactly whereas lehman russ you know will lay you the fuck out you know it's just gonna put you down he'll, he'll knock you out and then he'll buy you a beer yeah and then he'll remind you where your place is so but all right so now that that's over with, that unconscious motherfucker had a point. Yeah. <laughs> I had to knock him out because he talked out line, <laughs> but he did make a good point. <laughs> so, Derek, What's if up? you were to, like, so if you were to categorize, so I know we've discussed many of the other legions and things like that. You know, we, we've talked about the Empress Children, who are really, you know, finesse legion, perfect legion. Uh, we've talked about the White Scars, who are a fast, hard-hitting legion. Uh, what would you qualify the Space Wolves as? See, that's really tough. A lot of people would just come out and say, okay, well, they're this like badass close combat legion. Like These guys just want to get into a fist fight because that's where they just have the most fun. Like Not in a world eaters, they just want to murder everything, but they just legitimately like enjoy cutting loose and knocking some motherfuckers out. But I, I think they have this like air about them of uh, looking like barbarians. But when you like read some of their novels and get into some of their fluff, uh, like some of their commanders and Lehman Russ are a little more intelligent than they let on. Like they're not like military masterminds or anything crazy like that, but they can definitely tell that everybody thinks they're just this wild ass barbarian. And so they kind of use that to their advantage. <clears throat> so I've always run space wolves kind of as like this uh, close quarters, like shooting. Because either you want to get in close combat with the Space Wolves and you're there and you're going to beat the shit out of them, or you don't want to get in close combat with Space Wolves because you know they're going to beat the shit out of you. So combat was never a really big focus because either it was going to happen or it wasn't going to happen. But uh, I don't know if I'm just running them wrong or... But that, that's all from my 40k experience. I don't have too much experience in 30k just because I don't want to put a whole bunch of like unpainted stuff on the table if I can avoid it. 10-4. But, but I guess... Uh, it's a lot of conflicting fluff. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, generally from what you're looking at is you're looking at Space Wolves and you're looking into uh, how to run them and things like that. It, I think Space Wolves are another one of those legions where they did, in fact, have uh, a number of different subsets of their legion. They had different companies and things like that. But, I mean, they were more pack-based, I guess. Yeah. And so uh, they, they, you know, we always mention that certain legions, they have... Uh, pretty much one of everything you know they got people that are dedicated uh to armored columns they have people that are dedicated to siege warfare and things like that uh and you know there's there's few exceptions uh with with legions that don't have full access to everything or they refuse to fight a certain way uh space wolves are not one of those legions uh, space wolves are, are are they're very uh fluid and in, in everything i think and it may have been retconned at this point but the only thing that Space Wolves really didn't like was was flyers and and transports. Or I'm sorry, uh, teleportation at one yeah. point. But I think that's kind of just that's not I, the case in 30k. Yeah, I feel like that's just been retcon entirely, and most of that stems from a weird quote in their like third edition codex. So to run jump infantry in that codex, you would have to buy bikers and then pay points to replace their bikes with jump packs, and that was just the stupidest thing ever. And it said it had like a little snippet about uh, fighting with your feet on the ground, like Russ intended. And so the quote on my cup, I almost had uh, Josh DeLaRosa put, uh, "Use a jump pack if you want. I don't give a fuck." Lehman Russ. <laughs> I was really tempted to do that. So yeah. So if you're coming into the game right now from as a 40k player that used to play Space Wolves uh, back in third edition, and you're coming into Horse Heresy expecting these same rules, there has been some things that have been retcon. Uh, I guess, uh, of course, obviously it sounds like the, uh, the whole teleportation thing is not an issue anymore. The flyer thing is not an issue anymore. Um, there's, as far as I can tell right now, if you fully understand the space wolves, then you probably understand that they have a malfunction in their gene seed from the heinous, the canis helix, right? Yeah. So they have, uh, some, a little bit of wolf in them because, uh, (laughs) Lehman Russ wanted his boys that he was just bringing in last a little bit longer. And so uh, those old men that he was turning into space wolves, he decided to go against all of the recommendations of every like tech priest out there and just say, nah, let's put some wolf in them. And uh, he did. And next thing you know, they uh, there's a malfunction where these space wolves start getting all wolfenized. They, uh, they got like, teen wolf on them. Yeah, so... So if you have no idea who Space Wolves are and you have no idea about any of their fluff or background, uh, Space Wolves will eventually, uh, every every wolf will eventually get taken over by their Canis Helix inside their DNA, which will turn them into uh, a, a literal space, like a literal werewolf, I guess yeah, is the best way to yeah. put it. But like a gene-enhanced werewolf. So you got like a, a superhuman werewolf, which is, is pretty wild. And it, it comes out later in the uh, 41st millennia. But since we're in the Horus yeah. Heresy, it's it's actually pretty new to them. It's not like I don't think anything indicates in the rules right now or reflects the no, not really uh, the malfunctioning. They they do a pretty looks. good job of like curtailing it. Like they especially during the Heresy when people are already like super like not big into Russ. So they're like, yeah, we really don't need to give them a reason to just assume that we're chaos now. So let's just go ahead and keep quiet about the whole werewolf thing. Absolutely. But uh, 
even in uh, 40k, like you didn't actually see wolf in models until some of the the Eye of Terror campaign. And even then, there's supposed to be this big ass secret that anybody who sees them either is killed by them or the space wolves just kind of take care of it. Yep, it's pretty hidden within their ranks. There's not a lot of people know about it, but everybody knows about it. <laughs> so. yeah, the Games Workshop needed cool models for space wolves, and so they put out the wolf in and some other stuff for 40k. But I, I mean, I'm not too. I don't miss it too much. I don't really think 30k needed it. Yeah. It's just not present in anywhere in 30k. Like you can't run Wolfen in 30k. Yeah, so. I'd agree Good. with that, man. I think I think one of the strengths of 30k is it has like a it's kind of grounded in a I don't want to say realism, mysticism <laughs> of all like the like the high fantasy science fiction stuff is isn't really as present. So your suspension of disbelief doesn't have to go like quite as far. Yeah. What were you say, Ryan? I just said I'm glad that Wolf and Art in 30k. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not playable. They're definitely there. Like it, they yeah, do exist in the fluff. Yeah. It's just they're not they're not a playable unit yet, and they haven't weaponized the Wolfen yet. <laughs> they just kind of that they're even that they even exist in the fluff. But whatever. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if it happens on the battlefield, they'll you know use it while it's there. But after hey, that, not, not as unfortunate as a potential. Fucking corn demon prince leaving rust of the future. <laughs> hey, well, we'll, we won't get into that. <laughs> if it happens, it happens. All I'm gonna say. So, <laughs> so Derek, what's up? So I hear on the streets that uh, Lehman Russ is a Primark hunter. Why, why do people tell me that? So, there's been some allusions in uh, either in Book Seven or in uh, Prospero Burn slash Wolves of Fenris. Or was that what was the second part of the Prospero storyline? Was it Wolves of Fenris or the novel? No, no, it was Prospero Burns, and I, that's fine. Yeah. Well, I want to say there's a thousand suns. That's what it was. A, a thousand suns and Prospero Burns, right? Uh, I think in one of those books, or in book seven, I don't remember where. Basically, they allude to the fact that Lehman Russ was chosen for the leadership of the Censure Host because he's had some experience with this before, and so. It, it's kind of alluded to that one of the missing Primarchs may or may not have had to have been taken out by Lehman Russ. Like they don't outright state it. So it's not canon or anything, but like there's been some, I guess, theory that Russ wasn't picked out of a hat. Wild, wild. And that seems like, uh, that seems like exactly what they use him for, for the center host is to go, uh, Go stomp out some people who don't like to fucking listen. Yeah, like all throughout his career during the campaign, he was pretty much used as a, a kind of like the emperor's personal executioner. Like if Le- like if he was sending Lehman Russ after you, you know you fucked up. Hmm. Anything you guys want to add to this to this uh, Lehman Russ talk? Anything that you think is cool about him that? Anything I think, I mean, I think how he, he is engineered for a specific role is pretty neat. It's kind of the executioner and the leader of a, a specific task force, I guess. Um, and his leadership style is very unique compared to most. Like, either it's like someone is very high and like ethically Roman or something like that, or they're very deviant and fucking crazy. And he seems to fill his own niche 
I would say. Yeah, he's very, very, very reminiscent of like the Khan, I guess. Like as far as like his leadership style, where he's very close to his uh, his Legion brothers and all that, uh, all the way down to the the most like lowly Legionnaire. So he's a he's a pretty pretty good leader versus boss, you know. Whereas like you know you get like a Lionel Johnson, he's more of a boss. You go to Perturabo, he's a boss, <laughs> and he's a terrifying boss, <laughs> a terrifying murder boss. Yeah. So, very cool. But yeah, I I mean, if anything, I mean, some other points to to touch on. Uh, he's got a tough relationship with the first Primarch, Lionel Johnson. Uh, his, I mean, <laughs> if you go read the book that just re- recently released, uh, Lehman Rust, it's one of the Primarchs book. It actually explains uh, where that bad blood actually came from. Uh, it's a it's a very cool story. It involves uh, Lehman Russ killing some some dark angels on accident, and and so, but kind of kind of explains yeah, where that hot yeah, he got, a, got a beat up by Angron. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, so supposedly he got beat up by Angron. When nobody really knows, hasn't been hasn't been touched yet. Nah, I'm not. I don't. That's one of those things. Like I don't like either guy. So I'm like totally unbiased. I could give a fu- like I, I probably dislike Angron more than any other Primarch. Uh, I'm indifferent on Lehman Russ. I don't really care one way or the other. But the way that that played out, I mean, fucking Russ could have just said a word and had Angron executed. I just not. We're bro. Winning, if you ask me. <laughs> we didn't come there for a battle. We came there for a fight. That makes one of us <laughs> boob. Fuck. I just like that yeah, part. Yeah, I don't know, in, man. Uh, I just, I'm not buying it. I don't know. My favorite, like, Angron fluff was that part in Master of Mankind where that custodes is talking shit to that berserker. He's like, oh, yeah. So you're one of Angron's boys, huh? The only Primarch we had to fucking save. <laughs> oh, oh, my. <laughs> sorry, sorry over there, Scott. I know you're working <laughs> on your world leaders right now. Uh, but anyway, hey, hey, you know what I'm doing? I'm painting my fucking world eaters. We have more of these world eaters painted in a month than you do fucking <laughs> years. So. Yeah, hopefully I can, you know, get that fixed up here in January. So anyway, so very cool, guys. Very cool. So yeah, I mean, what, I guess really, there's not a lot else to touch on in the fluff. I mean, obviously, uh, they didn't have a lot of like notable battles, like. Like yeah, you had Prospero, but you could kind of argue that's really before a lot of the, like the heresy starts kicking off. And then I think there was like uh, it was the Alexis Nebula, where the uh, the Alpha Legion is basically like pestering like the Space Wolves, and I don't know. It feels more like Horus was like, all right, somebody needs to keep this dude out of the fucking way, because whenever Lehman Russ goes, plans just disintegrate. Yeah, I think uh, I think Horus really saw Lehman Russ as probably one of the most powerful Primarchs that would oppose him, and so keeping him away and the furthest away from his plans would probably have been the best. Yeah, I mean, not so, so much sending him towards Magnus, who is also one of the most powerful Primarchs. Oh yeah, to go handle that really, really disabled the Imperium. Well, I mean, I don't think it's so much he thought he was powerful as much as he thought he was unpredictable. Like, there's no way he can make a plan if Lehman Russell's going to be anywhere near it. Like, he has. N- there's no way you can tell what this dude's going to fucking do. 
Yeah, he is a wild tactician, man. He's wild card. He's the Charlie Day of the Primarchs. Like, is he going to surprise you with some like some wisdom you didn't expect from him, or is he going to do exactly what you think he's going to do and just hit it with a rock? You don't know. Very cool. So, if you plan on playing this Legion, if you plan on going Space Wolves in the Heresy, uh, there is no real specific army you've got to stick with. Uh, there are some rules that you have to maintain, and that's something we're going about to go over right now. So, I guess, first things first, as far as Space Wolves go, uh, and their special rules, you'll find this in Book 7, Inferno, on page 222. And uh, we're going to give you a breakdown of what they get special for being Space Wolves. So, first things first, they're Legion of Stardes, so they always may attempt to regroup regardless of casualties. Uh, they, being Space Wolves, they get Bestial Savagery, which means models with this rule gain a plus one weapon skill bonus on any turn in which they have a successfully charged. Additionally, they gain counterattack special rule, and if any unit with this special rule has one combat on any turn in which they have charged or countercharged, they must make a sweeping advance if they're able to. Uh, so that's a nod back to old Space Wolves, giving them counterattack back, which is fucking badass. And that's actually yeah. why Derek used to play them that way, is land in front of them, rapid fire in their face, and hope you get charged. Like, that's pretty much... Yeah, that's back when uh, Grey Hunters had True Grit, where they could use their... Their bolters were pistols if they weren't charging. So you just roll up on them, just shoot them in the face with a bunch of bolters, they would charge you, and then you get more attacks on the counter charge than you would on the charge. Yeah. It was definitely a uh, definitely a good nod. Definitely giving them all counter attacks. Pretty sweet. Uh, they also have Hunter's Gate. So infantry models with this special rule add plus one inch to their run and consolidation distances so long as they are not equipped with jump packs or Terminator armor of any kind. So they're going to get plus one inch to all of their, uh, their run and consolidation distances. Uh, really... It's 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 nice. It's not super overpowered or anything like that, but it's definitely something to remember. Uh, that seven inch run yeah. is, or actually no, not seven inch run. It possible seven inch run. Yeah, it definitely pushes them more into the close combat oriented legion that everybody thinks of them. Yeah, just because you know why shoot when you can get that much closer, especially with some rules we'll discuss further. So they also have preternatural senses, which uh, models with this special rule may ignore the effects of night fighting, re-roll the dice to determine which table edge they arrive from when outflanking, which is very powerful, and infiltrating models may not be set up within 18 inches of them, regardless of line of sight. Uh, so this comes back to the Canis Helix guys. Uh, this is going to be basically the, uh, the, the wolf inside of them uh, allows them to, to get that night fighting to see at night and things like that, and uh, re-rolling the dice to determine the table edge. I feel like that's more of a nod towards their old wolf scouts who could come in on your opponent's board edge when they outflanked. Okay. Sure. But, but that's still rad. I yeah. love it. And then the whole infiltrating models may not be set up with 18 inches regardless of line of sight is also, uh, something that is pretty, pretty, pretty nice to have with space wolves and just, just shoehorned in. I mean, they're already doing really good with their plus one weapon skill bonus on any which turn they charge. Uh, but this is just, you know, adding. Yeah. yeah, I feel like they get a lot just for being Space Wolves. Yeah. Okay. So the next thing on here is going to be uh, with their army selection. Some of the Space Wolves uh, army selection special rules that apply to when you're creating a Space Wolf Legion. 
so when selecting an army which uses Space Wolf Special Rule based on Legion Starters, Age of Darkness, uh, the following provisions and alterations apply. So detachments with the Space Wolf Special Rule must fulfill their compulsory HQ choice with either a Praetor or Centurion representing a Wolf Lord or Claw Leader. Other HQ choices or console types may not be selected as the compulsory HQ choices. Uh, so you have to take a Wolf Lord or Claw Leader as your compulsory HQ. Uh, any attachment with the Legion Star Space Wolf Special Rule must include at least one HQ unit per 1,000 points or part thereof in an army regardless of the force allocata- allocation chart being used. So for example, if an army of less than 1,000 points, a single HQ choice must be included in attachments of 1,000 to 199 points, at least two HQ choices must be included, and so on. So generally, you're going to be playing a 2,500-point list. So that means you're going to be required to take uh, two HQ choices. So you're always just going to have a factor in that you're going to need two HQ choices. Three. Uh, three, HQ, three HQ choices, that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, generally, you don't... I, I mean, is that I mean, a huge drawback? Is there anything you want to add to that? I mean, you can just take a 50-point Centurion, and then you're left with your two HQ choices like normal. But, I mean... They've, like, space it's a little always... annoying because you have to have a unit to put them in. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to, but you're going to have like a unit that's just running around, like a, a character that's just running around, whatever. If you're playing something like Orbital Assault, where your drop pads only hold 10 guys, and you're taking a lot of units that already start at 10 guys, somehow fit in a unit that holds that's starts at 5 and grows from there, so you can then put him with it and then put them in a drop pod. Yeah. So it it leads to more. It leads to more than you originally think, and in, in a lot of lists. Mm. So that is a small drawback, but definitely manageable. Uh, the chaplain, librarian, and primus Medicaid types are not available to the army, uh, being replaced with the priest of Fenris, which we'll go over when we're looking at their special rules. So you don't get a chaplain, librarian, or primus Medicaid in this army, but they get some good concessions. Um, only gray slayer units. And this is okay. So this rule is, this is where all the issues come in, right? Yeah. Okay. So this and the, uh, compulsory HQ rule. So we've got two sides of this, but I'm going to go just read the rule out. Uh, so only gray slayer units may be taken as compulsory troop choices by any space wolves detachment. All other troop choices found in the Legion Stardust age of darkness army list gain the support squad special rule. And actually that's, pretty wild because that's actually now in the age of darkness rule book support squad rule uh if they are in space if they're in the space wolves army if they do not already possess it and if taken as part of any allied detachment using the legion sardis space wolf special rule so so the two sides here one is saying that rights of war are not able to override that saying that if you were to take you know uh Armored Breakthrough, you are not allowed to take Predators as compulsory troops because you have to take Gray Slayer units as troop choices, or as your compulsory troops. And then there's people who say that the, because it doesn't say uh, this may prevent you from taking certain rights of war, like it has in like the Blood Angels or uh, other uh, Legion army selection rules, that it, some are saying that because it doesn't have that clause, it is able to be overridden by uh, rights of war. Well, also because of Russ. 
Rust specifically does this has the same wording as most rights of war on that you can take other things as compulsory troops choices. Yeah. Uh, so when they gain the support squad rule, a squad with the special rule may not be chosen as a compulsory choice for uh, for the army as part of the force organization chart. So that kind of like everything is forced on to the support squad. All other troop choices found in the Legion of Stardust Age of Darkness army list gain the support squad special rule if they are in a space wolf's army. So in that case, like yeah, if, but it says they it says all the troops choices gain it, and then if you take a ride of war, you're taking something that's not a troops choice. Yeah, God and damn then it. allowing it to be taken as compulsory. But it also says only Gray Slayer units may be taken as compulsory troops choice. It's all over the place, guys. I mean, really, on this one, uh, if you're especially if you're going to be playing in an event or anything like that, this is going to be something that needs to be clarified. Um, because there are certain rights of war out there that we'll kind of discuss a little bit later on. It's part of the list that we were talking about that Derek has that rights of war that that don't interfere with that that don't interfere with that. And then there's kind of a if you, if you look at the rules from the other sense where you know anything that becomes compulsory overrides that rule. It's just kind of in the air right now. Yeah, it's pretty consistent with what we've seen from other wording in Book Seven, like other big ass like well how does this work with this other stuff yeah if we could have faq'd it guys we would have for you if we could have some sort of answer for you we would uh but we don't unfortunately uh this was on the cake questions right <laughs> if, if this... uh, i want to say this came out before the cake questions no or, uh, we, we've updated after. we updated the cake questions oh. oh okay and resent the questions with our second cake and i believe this was included in that so i mean i know how i run it Basically, I run it as the most restrictive without invalidating Russ's rules. But, like I said, check with your TO. Absolutely. So, special units and war gear. Uh, Legion-specific units and war gear. Uh, so, first things first. In addition to those found in the Legion Starter's Age of Darkness list, the Space Wolf Legion has particular access to the following unit types. Uh, they have the Priest Defenders, the Gray Slayers, the Death Sworn, and the Varigear Terminators. Uh, also, they have Fenrisian Wolves, which... <laughs> Why? I know it was Orion's favorite unit in the game. Uh, so, they can be <laughs> they can be purchased like Worthy war gear. realism, bro. <laughs> <laughs> they can be purchased like war gear rather than as a regular unit and end up to two Ferrisian Wolves may be purchased by any Space Wolf Legion Praetor or Legion Centurion not equipped with a jump pack for plus 10 points each. Uh, they form a unit with their master. They can never leave or be left by them, but it doesn't stop the character to detach you from joining other squads as normal. The Fenrisian Wolf joins the squad as well. The Fenrisian Wolf does not count as a casualty when determining panic tests from the shooting attacks of its slain. Where this is relevant, the Fenrisian Wolf has a unit type infantry and a unit composition of one. Now, here's the cool thing about them. Uh, their normal weapon skill, four, zero ballistic skill, strength, four, toughness, four, one wound, initiative, four. They have two attacks each. Their leadership, five. They have a six-plus save, which you should expect from a furry friend. Uh, they're bulky, so if you're going to be transporting these with somebody, does it take up any transport capacity? I guess it does. Yeah. Uh, then, you know, getting them squeezed into any of your... Uh, I guess, really, what you could do is if you're worried about transporting... Um, characters around you just run them with a couple wolves um they're bulky they have counterattack. they have pre-natural senses uh for plus five points a friend rissy wolves can be upgraded to a cyber wolf 
gaining the feel no pain five plus special rule. So it's pretty wild, man. That's it. Like that's a cool piece of war gear. Like I, I really remember in third edition Space Wolves getting getting to have little, two little wolves with you. Yeah, definitely. I would never do it, but it's definitely reminds me of that old codex. Ryan, would you ever run, like if you, let's say you're running Space Wolves? Would you run these guys? <laughs> what the the fucking super giant wolves? Yeah, yeah. ten yes, points each. Ten points each. No, it's like a free no, space marine. Ca- uh, when they die, it doesn't count no, towards they're, a. Checks. They're a fucking. They're a fucking He-Man toy. I wouldn't run them. That's just me. You would. Don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I no, really like, wouldn't. I'm good. For like points efficiency, you're getting four attacks for twenty points. Models don't lie to everyone, and you just gotta hide them in the unit. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. So angry. <laughs> just nah, it's tough, man. It's tough. <laughs> okay. So anyway, so so the next special unit war gear they got uh, is their frost blades, which means any space wolf independent character with a power weapon may exchange this for a frost blade or frost claw for plus five points, or a great floss frost blade. For 10 points. So Frostblade is... Whoa. Hold on. Okay. Yeah. Frostblade is a plus one strength AP3 melee specialist weapon. Uh, the Frostack is a plus two strength AP2 melee specialist weapon, which is unwieldy. Uh, the Frost Claw is a plus one strength AP3 melee shred specialist weapon. And the Great Frostblade is plus one strength AP2 melee Melee, Reaping Blow, Mastercrafted, Two-Handed. Uh, Reaping Blow, ma- models using this weapon with the special rule get a minus one initiative and assault. In addition, if the wielder is in base contact with more than one enemy model in the initiative phase in which they fight, they gain plus one attack. So, those are pretty cool. Any, any Y'all want to add anything to the, the Frost Blades? Yeah, so do you see Frost Sword on that list? No. All right, cool. Just keep that in mind. Okay, cool. Anything else? Anything else you want to add? All right, cool. Yeah. So next thing up is the Aether Room armor. Uh, Aether Room armor counts as a suit of artificer armor, granting a two plus armor save. In addition, it increases the wearer's wound characteristic by plus one and allows any deny the witch rolls taken for the wearer or the unit they have joined to be re-rolled. Any Praetor representing a Wolf Lord or a Priest of Fenris with the Legion Star Space Wolf Special Rule makes Change their artificer armor for Aether Rune armor for plus twenty points. Is that a is that a have to do? Like, would, would y'all would y'all are y'all swapping out y'all's I mean, artificer armor for Aether armor? It's massively underpointed. So if you want an extra wound, fucking do it. It should be like way more points than what it is. To who? Yeah, totally worth it. Totally cheap. So very cool. So that's it for the special weapons, special war gear that uh, Space Wolves get. We'll start looking at some of these special units. So, first things point, first things first, coming in the Elite section, they got a Death Sworn pack. For 175 points, you're getting 5 Death Sworn, which are uh, Weapon Skill 4, Bliss Skill 4, Strength 4, Toughness 4, 1 Wound, one, uh, 2 Attacks, Initiative 4, Leadership 8, with a 2 plus save. Uh, so, you're getting... Five Death Sworn, which have Bolt Pistol, Power Axe, Frag and Crack Grenades. They have Ymira Class Stasis Bombs. They all have Artificer Armor, which is indicative of their 2-plus save. Uh, they have Legion Stardust Space Wolves. They have the Cult of Morkai Special Rule, and they have the Dreams of the Death Wolf. 
Uh, so the Death Swarm pack can take a Rhino Land Raider Phobos or a Land Raider Proteus as a dedicated transport. Uh, the Death Swarm pack may include up to five additional Death Swarm for 25 points each. Uh, for every five models in the squad, they can take a can they, they can take one of the following options instead of the ones previously listed. They can exchange their power axe for power fist. They can exchange their power axe for a great frost blade, and they can exchange their power axe for a thunder hammer. Uh, plus ten points on the frost blade and the thunder hammer, and five for the power fist. Uh, the entire squad can take melt bombs for twenty points, and the or they can take rad grenades for plus thirty points. May take one of the following. So, with the Cult of Morkai, the units of Deathstorm may not be joined by independent characters, models, other than Priest Fenris. In addition, Priest Fenris with the Speaker of the Dead subtype may take a unit of Deathstorm instead of the normal command squad. Uh, Dreams of the Death Wolf. The Dreams of Death Wolf have consumed the minds of the Deathstorm so that only in killing do they, them, do they themselves feel anything but a chill of death closing around them. In that moment, they care nothing for their own lives or safety, so long as their enemies are strewn about them and broken and lifeless. The Death Swarm have the Fearless Special Rule when locked in assault. In addition, if a Death Swarm is slain during the assault phase before it is fought, it may still make its attacks at initiative step one, as if it were alive to do so long as any models in the unit still survives. So they're always going to get that last breath strike. It's pretty cool. Uh, now, the, the Ymira class stasis bombs... A unit equipped with the Mirror Class Stasis Bomb count as being equipped with defensive grenades. In addition, models making fallback rolls when fleeing from combat with units must roll a, an additional D6 to see, elect the, select the lowest result for their fallback distance. In the shooting phase, one model with the squad may throw a Mirror Class Stasis Bomb. The weapon has the following profile. Uh, it's a 6-inch range, strength X, AP2, blast 3 inches, pinning, gets hot, and fleshbane. 2+. plus. So that means it is hitting everybody that is a people on a two-up. Yeah. It's pretty powerful. What do you think about this unit, Derek? Death Swarm Pack. I like it. I can see how somebody wouldn't like it. but As like somebody playing against it wouldn't like it? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen a lot on the tabletop yet. So in theory, I fucking love it. I think uh, the idea of just having one of these guys come in drop the stasis bomb on some like quad mortars or terminators or something. She'd be like, get fucked. What do you think, Ryan? What do you think about the death sworn pack? I like them. I like them. And, uh, all back to them really is that they're not scoring and that they're actually, they, they're only tough four with a two up armor save. I know two up armor saves the best armor save you can get, but they have no invulnerable save available. So they wilt pretty fast to just like a couple of plasma guns or, you know, demolisher or whatever. If you don't have them, cover or whatever. Yeah, you're just picking up models. If you if you run into any sort of dreadnought or anything like that, if something gets a hold of you, uh, they're they're not great at close combat. I guess against uh, things that are really good at close combat. I guess they're like medium tier. Yeah, they close just, combat units. They um, fall they fall down and they. They're not they're not good against like monstrous creatures like Castlex swing before them. You know, Vorax swing before them, and all that's AP two, and it fights first because they're unwieldy. They only have power axes. Yeah. So you know, like if you get charged by something like that that's swinging before initiative one, that's AP two. Like you said, you're just picking up models. Yeah. So like dreadnoughts. Um, yeah. Are you, are you taking those boys and, with? And and I know you get. You can take melt bombs on every guy. Yep. Which seems good, but like, let's say you just get charged charged by a Leviathan. 
he hits you with those two hammer of wrath and then he swings in with like whatever is four or five attacks. If he mulches four or five guys, you know, now you're down to just five dudes that are single attacks with melt bombs. Well, they all, they all still to get to him. attack. Oh yeah, I guess they would. Yeah, it still gets to make yeah. its attacks. That wouldn't be too bad. Yeah, it doesn't specify with what weapon. So right before they die, yeah, I can okay. melt a bomb the shit out of Leviathan. Yeah, which isn't terrible. So so melt yeah. bombs definitely over. No, but grenades. I mean that's like that's that's if the you know once again that's just talking the Leviathan's close combat attacks. That's not talking the phosphex discharger that just erases the whole. The yeah, 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 remove, yeah removes it from the board. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that I have seen happen on the tabletop. That. So absolutely take advantage of the Rhino, Land Raider Phobos, or Land Raider Proteus dedicated transport they, they can take, guys. Uh, for as much points as you'll be investing in them. Uh, people in Heresy know how to take care of people in 2 plus save. Like, everybody has answers for Terminators inside their army built in. And these guys, with a lack of invulnerable save, you'll just be picking up models. Uh, so These guys are softer suzerains that don't have as good a close combat weapon and aren't as tough. Exactly. They're they're kind of like a um destroyer squad. Oh, I don't know, not even destroyers. Yeah. That makes sense. So, next thing still in your elite choices, guys, you get the option for a Vergear Wolfguard Terminator squad. <sighs> Uh, so the Vera gear, these are what the like command squad like the so of uh, is another translation of Wolfguard. Yeah. Okay. So these are just like your elite Terminators. So these are your elite ass Terminators. Uh, their weapon skill five, bliss skill four, strength four, toughness four, one wound apiece. Uh, they have four initiative, two attacks each, and leadership eight. Two plus save because they're in Terminator armor. Uh, whenever you buy a squad for 270 points, you get five of them. One of them is the Thane. I guess that's how you say the sergeant. You can just call him a sergeant. The if you're gonna play Space Wolves, you're it behooves you to just call him a sergeant. Your okay. opponent's gonna know what you're talking about. It'll just make the game go a little quicker. Okay, so they're sergeant. They get one sergeant, four terminators. Uh, they get all of them have frostblade, axe, claw, or sword. Uh, they all have combi bolters. They're all in cataphractic terminator armor. Uh, they all cause fear. They all have implacable advance, which means they're scoring units. Uh, they are stubborn. They have crushing charge, uh, charge, and they have Lord's Bane. Uh, so the Varagar Terminators may take a Land Raider Phobos or Land Raider Proteus as a dedicated transport if the number is five models, a Spartan if the models is between six and ten models. Uh, the Varagar Wolfguard Terminator squad may include up to five additional ter Varagar Terminators. Uh, any model in the squad may exchange their... Varagabundus, <laughs> exactly. Uh, any model in the squad may exchange their Frostblade for one of the following, a Power Fist for free, a Chain Fist for five points, a Thunder Hammer for five points. Any model in the squad may exchange their Combi Bolter for one of the following, a Combi Weapon for five points, a second Frostblade, Axe Claw Sword for five points, a Heavy Flamer for ten points, or a Reaper Auto Cannon for 15 points. Any model. Any model. So you can have a unit of ten Varagar with Reaper Auto Cannons. That's stupid. If you want to put the points in that squad. If you but. want to put the points in. Uh, the Varagar Thane slash Sergeant may take a grenade harness for 10 points. So what are they getting with their crushing charge? The charge of Varagar is a terrible thing to behold. A tide of armor-clad beast 
skin-draped hulks propelled by superhuman strength and inhuman ferocity. Uh, when a model with a special rule makes a charge move of at least six inches in the assault phase, it makes a strength five hammer of wrath attack. Uh, so that's pretty cool. You're getting your free attacks up front. And keep uh, in mind, that's going to be at weapon skill six because they charged. Dirty. So Lord's Bane is... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, you're, are you talking hammer of wrath attacks? Yeah, that just happens. There's no... There's no if weapon. they charge six inches yeah, or more. Hit, auto. Yeah, okay. it's auto hit. Strength five. Okay. But yeah, they are... Hit. Well, yeah, I mean, they also charge, so for the regular attacks, they're weapon skill six. Yeah. Very oh, okay, much I get what he's saying. Okay. Yeah. So they have the special rule Lord's Bane, which means models with this special rule may issue and accept challenges as if they were characters in combat. And in addition, when fighting a challenge, if the enemy challenger is killed, then they may add an additional plus one to the combat results. Uh, so that's pretty cool. They can all accept challenges. Um, it, it's very, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I guess, anybody in the unit being able to accept Angron's challenge is a pretty pretty big deal. I mean, there's a lot of things that are challenge specific so having a whole unit of somebody who can accept <laughs> challenges is pretty sweet because they can roll up with their power fist chain fist thunder hammer i mean you can have that what? whole unit decked out and all different things is that good because he can issue as many challenges as he wants so he could just keep issuing them and still kill all your guys so, so yeah, I guess that, I mean. Just everybody form a line. Angron's going to fight you each individually. <laughs> Come get this work. <laughs> He's got work for all of you. I think it's cool. <laughs> I guess, uh, I don't know. It's a very weird situation. It's pretty funny, though. I, I like that. But my biggest question when I'm looking at this squad is, what in the fuck is a frost sword? Ah. Uh. Probably some sort of frost blade that was misprinted and unfortunately yeah, fell. It's a yeah. Plus one strength power sword that has the specialist weapon special rules, my guess. <laughs> well that's that's a frost blade. I'll write you a rule for frost sword and put it inside your inferno cut inside your inside your inferno book so when you show I'm, people I'm personally not a fan of this unit. It's like uh, flashy unneeded bullshit that you pay a bunch of points for that's not needed in my opinion. But that's kinda yeah. me. I'm more yeah. of a basic I, they, it reminds me a lot of uh, Lernaean Terminators where they have a lot of rules that I don't want but you still have to pay points for. So it's like, yeah, I mean, you, like it makes sense that they cost what they do because if you take normal Terminators and you start adding what they get, it adds up. But it's one of those things, if I stripped all that away and just made it options that I had to pay for, how much of this would I buy? Yeah. That's the problem with them. Because it's like, it's basically you don't have an option to buy a bunch of shit that I personally could do without if they were less points. Yeah, you could kit out cataphractic terminators. What'd you say, Scott? Rule. That that chosen warriors rule, like have rampagers and they have that rule, that never comes into play really very often. I have yet to find a real good utility for everybody being able to issue challenges other than like you're you're obviously ducking a character inside your unit, but there's you know whatever, great you know. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you could kit out cataphractic terminators similarly, and just with all the points you save, there's just so much more you can do with it. Yeah, because people like these guys are they're individually more attacks, but with the points you save, you could just buy more cataphracty, and then you're adding not only extra wounds to the unit, but you're also adding 
Yeah. Like I, I like the unit. It's just I. I think you. I think we figured it up, and you get like seven or eight cataphracti for the points of five of these guys. Yeah, I mean, so I will you, say once you start giving them the war gear, I will say giving every one of them a Reaper auto cannon or a heavy flamer would be really, really funny if you could take them in Tartarus armor. Oh, where you got Overwatch or whatever? Yeah, because then you stick a uh, Priest of Fenris in them, which we haven't talked about yet, which gives them preferred enemy infantry. And then just re-roll your ones on your Overwatch for your auto cannon, or just throw down a bunch of heavy flamers and just laugh. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess my thing is all of their upgrades and all of their special rules is is all based on offense. It doesn't make them any more defensive. So they're like when you lose a guy to shooting or you know, or if you're just like fighting Terminators and you're like enemy Terminators and you're just trading guys one for one, it's really hard to come out ahead in that yeah. type of scenario because you've, you're, you're all your points are based towards offense. And I just feel like it's going to be really hard to strike that balance where you're going after stuff to where the extra offense matters because if you just like replace, like I said, in your mind, if you charge a unit with these, Terminators that have all these extra attacks, all these frost weapons or whatever. If you overkill a unit by like twenty fucking wounds, like what like it doesn't really matter. You could have just done that with normal cataphracty and done just enough wounds. But every guy but they're no more better than normal cataphracty on the defense. Yeah. I don't know. One thing I've seen people run them with is uh so, of, they just of give the them the least, my least, least favorite rules wise. And they also um, don't have the greatest of models either. So kind of, <laughs> that might affect some, uh, some of this. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to talk yeah. about their models. By, by the way, I'll call each other. I'm sorry. There's a huge delay. We, I don't think we brought that up. I'm not trying to just shit all over Derek. There's like a three or four second delay. Yeah, it's all right. I'm reason. not saying anything important anyway. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not being sarcastic. I just, the main thing I see people yeah. do with them is they, they give them the second frost blade. And I mean, that makes them a pretty cool, like a poor man's red butchers, just not as good at anything that red butchers are good at. Not without dumping a priest defenders into them for sure. Yeah. I mean that they're still not red butchers, but they, they feel a similar How many wounds role. These, these bad boys have? They one. just have one. There's so that, yeah, it, you can make the comparison, but Red Butchers do win every time. And yeah, better get used to that. <laughs> better get used to that, Derek. All right, so that's it for Virag or Terminator squads. Uh, they're they're not terrible. Uh, next up is a Grayslayer pack. Derek, why don't you read that one off? All right, so check it out. So with Grayslayers, uh, you've got. 125 points for the base unit, and that comes with nine gray slayers and the Huskarl, or as I like to call them, the sergeant. So with that, uh, they all come with bolt pistols, close combat weapons, frag and crack grenades, and power armor. They've got Legion Stardy Space Wolves and Warrior's Metal, and they can take a Rhino as a dedicated transport. Uh, they've got plenty of options. They can take up to 10 additional gray slayers. Any model in the squad can take a bolter, a combat shield, a heavy chain blade, or they can exchange their close combat weapon for a power weapon. And then for every five models in the squad, one model can take one of the following options instead of those listed previously. 
They can take a combi weapon, a power fist, a lightning claw, a hand flamer, plasma pistol. Yeah, a hand flamer or a plasma pistol. And then one of them can take a Nuncio Vox. You can take a Legion Vexilla. The Sergeant or Huskarl can take one of the options. You can take a Power Fist, Lightning Claw, Frost Weapon, uh, Thunder Hammer, Hand Flamer, Plasma Pistol, or a pair of Lightning Claws. You can also have Artificer Armor or Melta Bombs. Or, and or Melta Bombs. So, uh, Warrior's Metal. That's going to be the special rule that these guys get. Where models with this special rule may not voluntarily go to ground but may reroll failed pinning tests and make, make charge moves both after running and or after firing their bolters, but suffer minus one of their charge distances if they do. So that means it cancels out the plus one that they get for being space wolves. Or sorry, uh, the plus, never mind. The plus one charge distance comes from something else later that we'll talk about later. So yeah, Ryan, what do you think about these guys? Um... I like these guys a lot. Um, that they're they're the ones you're gonna stuff since they score and you have pretty much have to take them. Yeah. So and um, they're also they're basically like a mix of veterans and tactical marines, but they're the price of tactical marines. Yeah, incredibly the, good for their points. Yeah, the fact that you can just take twenty of these guys and give them all power weapons for not as expensive as you think. And then they all get to basically run and charge and they get that plus one of their run distance. Yeah. Like these guys get nuts quick. If you don't get too fancy with them. When you think about the fact that all those power weapons can be power axes for next to nothing. Really, really turns into something, a different animal. Oh yeah. You know, So rock and roll, man. Not <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty solid unit. Like, it's probably one of the better trip units cheap, in the game. It's cheap. It scores. It does its job. It's performs yeah. multiple roles, unlike normal tactical marines. Like, it's a really good unit. Yeah, you have to take these as your compulsory troops. But is that a downside? Like, given the choice, I I think I would take these over tactical marines anytime, every time. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nobody, nobody, nobody would take tactical marines over these guys. So yeah, so if you're considering space wolf, if you're considering playing space wolves or anything like that, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, this is going to be your main your main unit here. Uh, like my biggest problem with these guys is that the Kalth box and Prospero box doesn't come with bolt pistols. That does. That does make sure does. Comes with the uh, the holstered version, so just glue to the side of their waist or the side of their. Uh, they well, do they come with bolters as well? Uh, you can give every guy a bolter for a couple points, but they don't come with it. Oh, never mind. So if you're running a squad of like twenty yeah. of them and you're just going to run them every turn, then it you kind of they come reverse of normal tactical marines. They're the same price as normal tacticals. Tacticals come with bolter, bolt pistol. These guys come with bolt pistol, chainsword, and instead of normal tax that you buy the chain sword for two points these guys you buy the bolt for two points yeah but like i said if you're just going to run them every turn then why buy the bolter that, that's points that you could just yeah. spend on artificer armor or you know yep nope you're right never mind or, or you just give them all power weapons because they take that instead of the bolter 
Ten four. I move, man. I would, I would take a load up on those power axes and go to town. Yeah, I showed Michael my army list. He's like, "Well, why'd you take bolters on all your gray slayers?" I'm like, "Cause the, cause the Prospero box didn't come with enough bolt pistols for me." <laughs> all right, so that's it for gray slayers, man. Simple, simple as that. I mean, it really is a very easy, easy choice. There's not really. And even then, if you were to go and pick any other troop choice, it's going to be a support squad. So you have to take the Gracelers anyway. So whatever. So back into the HQ section, as far as uh, special units that they can take in their HQ slot, uh, first things first uh, is going to be Geiger the Fellhand. So this is a uh, unique character, uh, obviously, because he's got a name. Uh, weapon skill 5, bullet skill 5, strength 4, toughness 4, 3 wounds, initiative 5, 3 attacks. He's got a 3 plus save. And he's got a leadership of nine. Uh, he's packing a bolt pistol, bolter. He's got the fell hand, frag and crack grenades, refactor field, and uh, power armor, which is kind of weird. Uh, he's got the Legion Starry Special Rule. He's an independent character. He's got Warrior's Medal, Master of the Legion, and his Warlord trait. If Geiger fell hand is the Warlord, he has the Crown Breaker trait rather than rolling randomly. Uh, which is the Space Wolf special uh, Warlord traits that they get. By the way, Space Wolves have special Warlord traits. Yeah. And so the Fellhand is a plus one strength AP2 Mastercrafted specials weapon melee. So it's a and tread. So it's basically a AP2, AP2 frost Lightning claw. claw. Well, Frost Claw. Yeah. Yeah. So 135 points. Just drizzle him in there. Uh, you get him in the uh, the Prospero box, so he has Vegeta hair. He has so. Vegeta hair. He's probably one of the ugliest models I've ever seen. Yeah. So replace that head real quick. <laughs> uh, he's, he's got, got a divergent with yeah. that haircut. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so he's got Warrior's Medal. So if you st- he's a really good choice to stick with your Gray Slayers because he does also get to run and charge. Ooh, nice. Yeah, that is good. Yeah, he... I'm at that. Yeah pretty solid not a whole lot special as far as like characters go but i think it's a solid choice just uh, so another point of contention i guess with the space wolf rules is your compulsory hq some people are trying to they're trying to say that gygor fellhand is a claw leader and therefore you can take him as your compulsory hq because a centurion is supposed to represent a claw leader Ask your TO. I don't. I don't play it like that, but I can see how somebody would try to do that. But as the rules are written, you don't get to do that. Yeah. Does saying is fluff if he's a claw leader? Yes. It sure does. It says this is one of those command of one of his great company's bloodied claw assault formations. Uh, I guess it doesn't say he's a claw leader directly. Yeah, but I get it. Some it, people are trying to use the fluff to justify something that the rules don't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but he clearly is. This is like the guy that has all the siege breaker fucking war gear. That yeah. in his fluff says that he's a siege breaker, but you doesn't count as a siege breaker because it doesn't say siege breaker. Well, you can't take a siege yeah, breaker as your compulsory HQ because your compulsory HQ can't be a console. Like, yeah, yeah, it can. It has to be a centurion without the console upgrade. It can. We're talking. We're not talking about space wolves. We're just talking oh, okay. in general. I'm just saying that this is part of the FAQ where I said that when they do all these special characters, they need to put what fucking type of console they are. 
or just Centurion or Praetor or whatever, because there's all kinds of special rules that key on key in on different console choices, whether Centurion or whatever. So you can't just have these guys that are just nothing floating around. Yeah. It doesn't make any yeah. sense. Very much so. Like if that dude is intended to be a claw leader, I I would not have any heartburn about someone playing him to fulfill that ultrary selection. I'd be like, okay, man, gotcha. Fucking bring it on, Vegeta hair. I'm gonna pound you into dust anyway. But <laughs> I'm gonna melt that. <laughs> I'm gonna melt that power armor right off you, real quick. Yeah, fuck you. Light that hair up, <laughs> regardless. Doesn't matter what the fuck you are. But <laughs> yeah. So next up in the HQ list is another uh, another choice of another Haval Red Blade over here. Uh, he is a weapon skill six, plus skill five, strength four, toughness four, four wounded, initiative five, four attacks, uh, leadership nine, two plus save, independent character. He's unique, obviously, because uh, he's named. Uh, he's got the war gear. He's got the hearth splitter. The heavy, a heavy bolter. He's got a grenade harness, an iron halo, and he wears Sitaris Terminator armor. Uh, as special rules, he's got independent character. He's got battle cunning. He's got Legion Stardust, Master of the Legion, so that means he can select a ride of war. Uh, he causes fear, and he also has a warlord trait, which he can, uh, if he's the army's warlord, he has the head taker trait rather than rolling randomly. Uh, those special rules, that special rule battle cunning, he means up to three infantry units. Units which are in the same detachment as Haval Redblade may be given the Scout Special Rule. Uh, he also has the Warlord trait, the Head Taker, which is if Haral Redblade is your army's warlord, both he and any Legion of Stars Space Wolf Infantry unit from his detachment within 12 inches have the preferred enemy infantry special rule. Uh, then he also has Hearth Splitter, which is a famed axe, which gives him plus two strength in its AP2 melee with armor bane so not only is he carrying around a heavy bolter inside of his tataras terminator armor he also has a uh tank beating axe yeah so for 210 points it's a pretty interesting character weapon skill seven on the charge puts him at strength six this guy ain't bad i love the this is the guy with the heavy bolter right and the yeah. terminator armor yeah i love the concept of this dude He's just a fucking outrageous badass. I love him. I love his style. Like he got to spend a little bit too much time in like the, uh, uh, like in one of the war gear containers, and he's like, "What is this? Hold on, let me try this on." And then they're like, "I got this shit. I can carry this. What the fuck? (laughs) What per five? He's trying to get him taking this down. (laughs) He's trying to prove a point to everybody. CT Fletcher, (laughs) fucking." So yeah, I like this dude. I definitely like. I'm, I converted a model for this dude just because I want to run him. Because up to three infantry units get to out get to scout. Just make three units outflank. Like just take a twenty man unit of gray slayers and give them all power axes and let them outflank. Would they? They get to reroll their board edge. Oh, he's really dope, man. That's a fucking really good character. Yeah, I'd I mean, be you all could, over that. You can take a ten man squad. He's of, pretty underpriced for what he does, honestly. Oh yeah. <laughs> take a ten man Viragra squad with uh with auto cannons and have them outflank and just outflank. have them outflank with him so he gives them preferred enemy infantry and just <laughs> drop some heavy flamers on something. Yeah. Pretty bonkers. 
granted, that's like a 700 point unit, but yeah. So anyway, any more input on Harval Redblade? He's a he's a bad dude. I don't know what else to say. Okay. I mean, he's in Tartarus armor, so he gets the sweeping advance unless you put him with Varager. Yeah. So. So next up on the list is a little bit more generic. Just the in the HQ choices is the Priest of Fenris, and there's a ton of rules for this guy. He's 105 points. He comes in at weapon skill five, blitz skill five, strength four, toughness four, two wounds, initiative four, three attacks, and strength oh leadership nine, and he's got a three up save. Uh, so war gear he comes loaded out with is a bolt pistol, frag cracker, and his refractor field power armor. Um, the speaker of the dead has a power maul, healing bombs, and garm blood vial. The caster of the runes, which is like the librarian, I guess the speaker of the dead is like the wolf, or is the like chaplain. So if you've played 40k, the speaker of the dead is the wolf priest, which is the chaplain apothecary. And the caster of runes is the rune priest, which is the librarian. Okay. So the caster of runes has a force weapon, which is a sword, axe, or staff, and a runic matrix. Uh, they both have the Legion Star Special Rule. They both have an independent character, and they're both labeled as Priest of Fenris. And they are both spe- fearless, and they both have the Oath of Dead Special Rules. That's just the Speaker of the Dead. Oh, I'm sorry. Speaker of the Dead has fearless and Oath of the Dead. Uh, so the caster of runes is a psyker mastery level one. So he's going to be spitting that hot fire. Uh, note that they may only generate their powers from the biomancy divination or telekinesis disciplines. Uh, with that said, a uh, priest defenders may take the following weapons, a bolter for two points, combi weapon or Volkite charger for 10 points. Uh, the priest defenders may exchange their bolt pistol for one of the following options, a Volkite serpenta, serpenta, a hand flamer for five points, a plasma pistol, a power weapon for 15 points, a power fist, or a single lightning claw for 20 points, or a combat shield for 5 points. Uh, the Priest of Fenris may take Melted Bombs for 5 points. A Priest of Fenris may exchange their power armor for one of the following options. Artificer armor for 10 points, Aether Rune armor for 30 points. Remember, that's the 2 plus save uh, armor there that gives them plus 1 wound. And then they may also take Terminator armor for plus 20 points. Uh, the Priest of Fenris, Caster of Runes, may gain a second Psyching Mastery level for plus 20 more points. So, with that said, uh, the get the special rule, which is the Priest of Fenris. So, that means when selecting a Priest of Fenris, you may pick whether they are Speaker of the Dead or Caster of the Runes. The model gaining the appropriate war gear and special rules listed for their subtype. Uh, Oath of the Dead, each Speaker of the Dead makes a Baleful Oath before battle which means the Speaker of the Dead, any unit with the Legion Star Space Wolves special rule they join may have the Preferred Enemy Infantry special rule. Well, that's pretty nice. Uh, the, the Speaker of the Dead has Healing Bombs, which means both the model carrying the Healing Bombs and any unit that have joined gain the Feel No Pain 5 Plus special rule unless they already have a special rule from another source. So... They're, getting, they're handing out 5 plus feel no pain, which is what apothecaries normally do. So that's pretty cool. Yep. Uh, they have the Garm Blood Vial, which is a 8-inch uh, range, strength 1, AP, nothing, null, assault D3 plus 1, 1 use, poison 4 plus, rending uh, blood vial. <laughs> so that is disgusting. 
Uh, but moving on. Yep, that sounds like the thing Billy Bob Thornton wore around his neck when he was dating Angelina Jolie. <laughs> yep, he just just spews it on. I know what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking <laughs> Never about. Never mind. <laughs> and he Shut just, up again. Sorry. just shakes it, shakes it, and pops that cork on it and spews it all over people. Uh, pretty weird. <laughs> Okay, uh, so next thing here is going to be the Runic Matrix, which the Runic Matrix allows a Psyker to re and this is going to be, of course, for the Runecaster. Uh, the Runic Matrix allows a Psyker to re-roll a single Deny the Witch test per turn, but their controlling player may not utilize more than four Warp Charged dice to manifest any single use of a Psyche power for a model equipped with a Runic Matrix. Uh, that's pretty tight. So if you're playing like a 3,500 point game where you're actually able to take more than four warp dice or depending on, you know, the roll for the turn. Yeah. You just can't spend too many on a single psychic power. So you're going to end up with these dice left over. Yeah. Shut them down. As long as you're targeting the unit with their running matrix. Uh, so in this case as well, the, there is a rule at the bottom called the Priest of Iron. Yeah, so this is for a different unit. Basically, this reflects the other special characters that Space Wolves have been able to take in the past, like in uh, 40k, where they had the, the Wolf Priest, the Rune Priests, and the Iron Priests, and these are kind of like the Tech Marine roles. Basically, there's just additional options for uh, some of the other console types, and it specifically calls out the Forge Lord, Master of Signal, and Prevayan. Uh, basically, in addition to the options listed for those entries, any of those console types can take Etherune armor for 30 points or as an upgrade to uh, or upgrade Artificer armor for 20 points. And then a Forge Lord can take Fenrisian Cyberwolves instead of Servo Automata. Prevayan can give their Battle Automata counterattack. For 15 points. Yeah. So just some extra options. Which makes no sense. Yeah, uh, just because if they have the Legion of Stardis Space Wolf rules, they already have all that. Uh, not the Battle Automata. They don't get Legion of Stardis, do they? Yeah, if you take the, you can give them Legion of Stardis. Well, That's you one can. Of the options. Yeah, you can give them either their Legion of Stardis rules or one of those other things, Tank Hunter Scout or Furious Charge. And if okay. you give them Legion of Stardis, they already get all that for free. We have it. Oh well. In the legions of night lords where monstrous creatures already cause fear and they have an option to buy trophies of judgment which gives them fear so you have the option to not give them legion starters though so like if you want to give them tank hunter and then buy them counterattack, yeah you could do that no because it specifically says you have to have legion of Stardust space wolves and then you can buy that special rule on top of it in the case of a space wolf legion pravian their battle automata may be given counterattack for plus 15 points under the legion inductee special rule if they're Legion inductees, they have the Legion of Authority Space Wolf special rule. Hmm. Okay. Huh. So pointless. All right, then never mind that. So it's a pointless option. Makes pointless, sense. you get it for free, but you just don't pay points for it. <laughs> you can Unless pay points for it if you want. Double counterattack. Mm -hmm. nobody's, <laughs> nobody's running it. The most unexpected counterattack. All right, Derek, why don't you let us know how Lehman Russ can do? Because he's got three pages worth. Oh, yeah. He's a, he's a big boy. He's got lots of rules. So right off the bat, as far as uh, prime marks go, he's got weapon skill 9, blitz skill 6, strength 6, toughness 6, uh, 6 wounds, initiative 7, 6 attacks, leadership 10 with a 2-up save. 
He's got the armor Elavagar, the axe of Hellwinter, and the sword of Bale Knight. And he's got scorn spitter and frag grenades. Of course. Yeah. So he's got the Primarch special rule, which gives him independent character, eternal warrior, fear, adamantium will, fleet, fearless, it will not die, master of the legion, precision shots, and precision strikes. He is the sire of the space wolves. He's got breaker of shields, bringer of ruin, and he is bulky. So right off the bat, the uh, sire of the space wolves, that gives him night vision, counterattack, hunter's gate, and preternatural senses from the space wolves legion of Stardis rules. Uh, face, uh, Space Wolves force containing him as his warlord gains plus one leadership bonus for all units with the Legion of Stardis Space Wolves special rule to a maximum of leadership 10. And Lehman Russ himself has the Howl of the Death Wolf special rule, which is one of their uh, one of their warlord traits. He gets that in addition to their other warlord traits, which he can personally use once per game. It, it's kind of like a wah, like an orc wah. So uh, he also gets the Circle of the Viragar. If Lehman Russ is your warlord, then the primary detachment which contains him can take the Viragar Wolfguard Terminator squads and Legion Veteran Tactical squads as compulsory troops in their force organization chart, which is one of the points of contention because your rules specifically state you're only allowed to take Space space Wolf Gray Slayer packs as your compulsory troops. Uh, But in addition... This does let you take Warrior's Medal on those veteran tactical squads in uh, instead of one of their veteran tactics. But at that point, it just makes them more expensive Gray Slayers. Anyway, so Lehman Russ also gets uh, Breaker of Shields, Bringer of Ruin. Uh, he has two different weapon types for close combat. The Sword of Bale Knight and the Axe of Hellwinter. In any assault phase, Lehman Russ... His controlling player may choose to split the number of attacks, including any for charging or counterattack, between the two weapons as he as they see fit. Note that the additional attack for using two weapons is already included in Lehman Russ's profile. So instead of picking one, he gets to switch up his attacks as you as you so choose. Uh, his armor, a lot of people don't like this one, so it gives him a two up, four up, uh, which is increased to a three up in vol against flamer, melta, and plasma weapons. In addition, enemy models in base contact with Lehman Russ at their initiative step of the fight subphase suffer a minus one penalty to to hit in assault, increasing to a minus two penalty if they've been in base contact for more than one turn of close combat. So uh, keep in mind that is a modifier to your die roll. So if you need to roll a six to hit Lehman Russ, you can't roll a six to hit Lehman Russ. Uh, he also gets the Sword of Bale Knight, which is a melee weapon, strength as user, AP2, melee, shred, and sever life. Sever life is if a model suffers one or more wounds from this weapon but is not slain, roll 2d6 and compare it to the wounded model's current toughness. If the result is greater than the toughness, the model suffers an extra d3 wounds at AP2. Wounds generated in this mantle never overspill to other models. So this is a binary thing at the end of the attacks. If they were wounded, then you do this once. It's not going to be per every wound. Uh, Then you got the Axe of Hellwinter, which is a strength plus two AP2 melee sunder master crafted. And then Scorn Spitter is going to be his ranged weapon. It's 12 inch range, strength four, AP3, assault three, rending. 
which is probably a it's an awesome weapon but probably like the least exciting yeah. thing about him yeah it's, it's a fantastic bolter but i don't even know if he's modeled with it so yeah what do you think about russ ryan um people bitch about him a lot because the armor they need to fix the armor uh if the armor wasn't so fucking crazy and overpowered, I don't think people would complain. I I think the sword they need to the test is too hard to pass. That being said, it's one of those things it's like a lot of Primarch weapons cause instant death outright. So most of the things that would die outright from taking multiple wounds from it, you know, against other Primarchs would just have instant death inflicted on them anyway. So that bonus rule really only works against fighting something that's eternal warrior with lots of wounds, like another Primarch. And I guess it kind of makes sense that he's got a pretty good Primarch killing weapon since he's the Primarch executioner guy. A lot of people bitch about the sword, but it's not, it should probably be a little toned down, maybe two D three instead of two D. I couldn't be D three, maybe like a single D six plus two. Yeah. Or something instead of just fucking two d six. It's pretty fucking hard to pass even at toughness seven. So, I mean, it could be slightly toned down, but that's not game breaking. I don't. I think the armor is pretty fucking lame. Yeah, when you see like, yep, like people who are like Lehman Russ versus this, Lehman Russ versus that, Lehman Russ versus this and that, and you just have these like massive stacks of stuff that you know can Lehman Russ take all of the other Primarchs maybe. It's like so that combat like lasts longer than any foreseeable game could ever take. Like the fact that Lehman Russ can just tank all of these hits in close combat and just be impossible to hit is kind of ridiculous. I'll it's admit. just one of those just one of those dumpster fire rules that they're gonna have to come back and fix at some point, maybe. Hopefully they do. You know. Yeah. A like, lot of things in that book. Yeah. I, I mean, I love Lehman Russ, but I wouldn't run him just because I don't want my opponent to see him go, oh, well, fuck, here we go. Be like, hey, you you hit me on a six. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Okay, so Thanks. you're you're another Primark. So Lehman Russ versus Horus, you hit me on a four. Oh, make that a five. Okay, well, you didn't kill him, so make that a six. I would say, you know, you can't ever be hit on anything worse than a six. You know, that maybe that is a good place to start on a play. Yeah, it's something to go into, but. All right. Yeah. So leave it to us. Slightly broken, but uh, but what did you expect? So. It's fine. It's his fucking armor. If you just fixed his fucking armor, he'd be fine. Yep. To be honest. Yep. Like, the, the shield, uh, the sword is kind of one of those things where you're, you kind of grimace out a little bit, but I don't think people would even get that nitpicky on it. It's just the fact that he's got the armor. People recognize that as being really stupid, which it is. And then once they see that, they start reading through the rest of it and then want to nitpick the rest of it. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. That's uh, that's what it comes down to. And then you also get the Wolfkin of Russ as another option you can take. So with these... Uh, they may only be taken if Lehman Russ is also present, and then if they're part of the army, they're treated as an HQ choice for any special rule, objective, <laughs> or mission, but they don't take a slot on the force organization chart. So it's basically just an upgrade for Russ. 
Uh, with that, they get weapon skill five, bliss skill zero, strength five, initiative five, four wounds, initiative five, three attacks, leadership eight with a five up save. Uh, unit composition comes with both of them. They've got tooth and claw for their war gear, so just kind of their close combat weapons. Uh, their special rules, they're the wolfkin of rust, which is what we talked about where uh, they don't take up a spot on your organization chart. They have fearless. They cause fear. They have preternatural senses. They have rampage. Five up, feel no pain. Uh, one of them, Jerry, gets precision strikes. The other one, Frecky, gets crusader. But they're both very bulky. So you're not like packing them around anywhere. Yeah, they take up more space individually than Lehman Rust does. All right, so the Wolfkin of Rust, in addition to not taking up a spot on Force Organization chart. They also, uh, they have to be deployed within six inches of Lehman Russ at the start of the game. Or if he begins the game in reserve or on board a transport, they have to be with him. And they may be transported in a vehicle only so long as Lehman Russ is also being transported. Uh, once deployed, however, they're treated as an entirely separate unit, which cannot join other units. But if they're within six inches of Lehman Russ, they can be used for lookout, sir, uh, on a two up. Uh, they're also never considered to be scoring units, but they may be used as den denial units. And That's then, wild, dude. It's a, it's like a, they're both treated as a single unit, but they can split up. Yeah. That's weird. And then Tooth, so, and, tooth and Claw, they also get rending on their melee attacks. So if you draw like one of those uh, tactical objective cards and you have to kill an HQ choice, do you have to pop both of them or just one of them? They're... Who knows? Yeah. Okay. What a weird question. They are treated as one HQ choice for special rule, objective, or mission is concerned, but do not take spots <laughs> on the force organization chart. I was, just, I was being facetious. I don't. <laughs> it's okay. Okay. You, I was just trying to answer questions as best I can. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think about these classic wolves? I like them, but I wouldn't run them because I just don't want to run Russ. Like... <laughs> I mean, Russ is cool, but I don't want to like do that to my opponent. Like, I just want because either he's going to die to shooting, or he's going to make it into close combat, and then the game is like less fun. So you think this is like buying Russ like an additional eight wounds? Is that how you see it, or what? I mean, five kinda. up wounds. Uh, is it? Is that not what it is? Yeah. You would just target these things and fucking kill them with, like, bolters. Silly shit. Heavy <laughs> bolters. They're five up, feel no pain, kind of. Not like it gives you something to do with your pointless heavy bolters. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, they're cool. I mean, as far as like, uh, like if you're a brand new space wolf player and you want to get as deep into wolves as you can, it's another unit that you can add in there. I get why people do it. I get why people would buy them. I mean, the models look cool. I mean, I have to suspend my disbelief as I see a fucking wolf like pushing a space marine onto the ground and like punching him in the face <laughs> and somehow handing out orders because in hq yeah. choice so but, so in the fluff these two wolves were uh they were on fenris when lehman russ got there they he was basically raised with these as his brothers so i don't know i didn't read too far into them i don't know if they like genetically enhanced them to survive much longer than wolves do and to make them you know able to take down a space marine yeah, from their appearance, I would say that's a hard yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, given that we're God knows how many years into the Great Crusade before the heresy started, 
I think these have been around for probably hundreds of years by now. Altered to me, so. Yeah, these <laughs> these ain't your granddad's Fenrisian wolves. Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. There, there's definitely something about them that is Gene Hance, so what can you say? Yeah, that, that's the only They're way on to explain. TRT. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it, man. That's it for units. That's it for special units they get. Uh, that is, I mean, there's... They're pretty special, all right. Yeah, they they are. There's a lot of things that you know we've mentioned and and different things in the uh, in their in their book here that differs from what you would do as far as normal force organization goes within normal armies. Uh, you absolutely have to have Inferno to run this. This is not one of the uh, grab the two main rule books and go to town. You are absolutely going to need Inferno to even consider running Space Wolf. So. Yeah. But if you're only interested in running Space Wolves, you don't need the uh, the Legion's book. You just need the uh, the base Space Marine Red book. The Army List. Exactly. Yeah, the Army List book. Yeah, the the other one, the, the Legion's wouldn't help you at all. Yeah. Except for some of the Rights of War, if you want to start looking at Rights of War, as far as picking those. Because those are in the... Were there generic uh, generic Legion's Rights of War? The, all the generic Rights of War are in the normal Legion. Ah, you're right. The only yeah, Rights of yeah. War that are in the... Yeah, so they can only take a handful of those and then the special ones they get in Inferno. Yeah, so if you're looking at... Yeah, so you only need two books. This Inferno and the Legion of Stardust rule book and the Age of Darkness rule book. They can only take a handful of those if you read Rule the way Derek reads it. If you read it the way I read it, you can take as many as you want. I just don't want to get to a tournament and then the TO says, oh yeah, no, you're, you're, you can't, you, yeah, you just can't build your list like that. What the fuck are you doing? Well, just ask. Just email first. Good news is most most people in our community that is never ever going to be an issue. Yeah, I promise. And if it is, you let me know, and I will fucking kick them. Oh no, I can't <laughs> run this drop assault vanguard. I'm forced to run these gray slingers that are twice as good as assault marines. Whatever. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> no. <laughs> Why, God? Are you even listening? <laughs> are you out there? Yeah. Anyway, so you want to go over the uh, their special warlord traits real quick before we get into like their like list building. We don't have to. Yeah. Okay. Just just get Inferno. <laughs> you can read through them. Just read through them real quick. Okay. Just read through them real quick. It's no big deal. So they have six of them. Uh, basically, when you uh, when you're selecting a warlord trait for a unit with Legion of Stardust special special rule, uh, instead of the 40k rulebook or the Legion of Stardust army list, you have to get them from this list. Uh, Praetors get to roll twice and take your preferred result. So the first one is the Get of Worm. Before the start of the game, select and note down D3 infantry units of five or more models with the Legion of Stardust special, special rule. These units count as being equipped with defensive grenades and have the Fear special rule. I think that's rad. Fear, uh, what was it? Defensive grenades plus counterattack is really funny to me. Uh, Howl of the Death Wolf, which is the one that Lehman Russ gets in addition to the Warlord trait that he generates. Once per game, the Warlord may declare the use of this special rule at the start of their player turn. For the duration of that player turn, all run and charge distances made for this, for models in this army with the Legion of Stardust Space Wolves special rule may be re-rolled. So if you, pick that for, uh, if you take Russ and then this comes up as your Warlord trait, you basically get it twice per game. Uh, the third one is Hunger of the Void. The Warlord gains Rage. Then you've got master, uh, the Waster of the Land. The Warlord and any infantry unit they have joined with the Legion of Stardust Space Wolves special rule gains Move Through Cover special rule. And in addition, when making shooting attacks, 
against targets within 12 inches. They ignore cover. Uh, Crown Breaker, which is the one that, uh, uh, that not Bjorn the Fellhanded, uh, Geiger Fellhand gets. Uh, the Warlord has the preferred enemy independent character special rule and the Feel No Pain 5 plus when fighting in a challenge. And then the last one is the Shield of the Wolf King. The Warlord and any unit they join with the Legion of Stardust Space Wolves special rule gain the Stubborn special rule. So there they are, people. Those are the special Warlord traits. Uh, nothing game-breaking, but... Yeah, nothing too wild. Defensive grenades are funny, but... Yeah. I guess let's move on to the specific rights of war that they get. I didn't even realize they spelled rights differently than they normally do. That's cool. Uh, so, the Space Wolf Unique Rights of War, the Pale Hunters, uh, the effects are the Circling Wolves, uh, the controlling player gets plus one to reserve rolls for units in this attachment. Note that the rolls of one still fail to bring the unit on, however. Uh, Bleed and Harry, all infantry units other than the Terminator, other than those in Terminator armor within the attachment with the Legion Starter Space Wolf special rule, gain the hit and run special rule, except that they roll 2d6 instead of 3d6 for distance moved. Uh, the Fury of the Pack. If a Space Wolves unit in the detachment unit using this route of war successfully charged into assault against an enemy unit which is already locked in combat, the assaulting unit gets plus one additional charging attack per model. Uh, the limitations for this route of war. Uh, detachment using this route of war may not take artillery or fortification type units or drop pods of any kind. Um, detachment using this route of war may only take a single heavy support choice as part of their force organization chart. So, uh, I, I mean, it's nothing crazy. It's a, it's like a Rhino Rush style. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like to run this with, uh, uh, I've got a list written up where I use this with that Vol Red Blade. So I've got three infantry units that can outflank and then I get plus one of my reserve roll and then they can re- uh, re-roll their board edge. Uh, hit and run really isn't all that useful. Unless you're just kind of get unstuck from that, you know, cast a farm dreadnought that your great slayers can't do anything about. Yeah. But, uh, the hit extra- runs really good. Oh yeah. Ooh. Hell yeah. It's one of the more powerful abilities in the game. Yeah. So especially if I you have something it. like a chaplain that makes you fearless, where you don't have to worry about it because it's like that with something and you get a whale on it then on their turn, they can't shoot you because you're locked in combat. Then at the end of their turn, you hit and run out, then shoot whatever that you just hit and run out at point blank and then recharge and get the charge bonus all over again. Rinse, repeat. Yeah. Hit them with them bolters and charge them. So what do you think about this Rider War, Ryan? Yep. It's pretty good. It's It's got a lot of restrictions to it, but it's not bad. It's definitely not like a trash Rider War. It's just you're gonna have to, you know, know how to play it and make sure it fits your play style when you take it, and then try to take advantage, try to take units that take advantage of all the rules that you get from it, and then also remember those rules when you're playing and when to use them. Any units off the top of your head that you'd recommend for this route of war that can really benefit from uh, hit and run? Besides, you know, out out outriders are really good. Packs are really good when you when you hit and run with those you hit and run extra distance yeah um and those units get hammer of wrath when they charge in 
So you get the bonus of Hammer of Wrath plus the extra well, charge attacks. Uh, you only get the hit and run on infantry plus. Hits. Oh, yeah. Okay, so it'd be jump pack guys. So I guess jump pack guys would be the the biggest benefit of that. But I mean, it really it works well with Grace Slayers. It works well with your uh, anything that gets really good bonuses for charging. So like the the Terminators or the special ones. Um, infantry units other than those in Terminator armor. Okay. Well, you guys keep not reading me the fucking restrictions as I talk about these. So, <laughs> um, so just infantry units, not in Terminator armor. We clear on that. Is that all that it is before we talk about more shit? Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Infantry units, not in Terminator okay, armor. Okay. So assault, assault yeah. Marines, Michael. Assault Marines. Okay. Moving on. What's the next fucking thing? <laughs> all right. Cool. No, I mean, to be honest, like, really, because all Space Wolf units get a big bonus when they charge, right? They all have the plus one weapon skill Yeah. on a turn they charge. Yeah. So, fucking anything. Works well with the whole fucking army. Yeah. <laughs> Great Slayers. Fuck it. Story of the fucking... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're always going to get the bonus attack for charging. Um, You know, and Great Slayers can do the thing where they fire their bolter and charge, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So, lots of things. Done. It's pretty easy to get the benefit. All right. So, their next unique ride of war is the Bloody Claws. Uh, so, the effects of the Oath of the Bloody Claw, all Grace Slayers uh, and Assault Squads in this detachment gain the Furious Assault Special Rule, but must always charge an enemy unit in the Assault Phase if they're able to. If multiple targets are available, the controlling player may choose freely which one is attacked. Uh, overwhelming assault. All units in the army add a bonus of plus one to their combat resolution results when in an enemy deployment zone. Uh, Howl of the Death Wolf. The detachment gains the Howl of the Death Wolf special rule. See page 24. This means that if a unit, an army's warlord also has a special rule because of their warlord trait, it may be used twice per battle. Uh, so that's that special rule. It's kind of like the WOG that Derek was talking about earlier. Uh, limitations. Detachment using this route of war may not take any immobile artillery or slow and personal units. Detachment uses Rod of War may not take Allied Space Marine detachments. Uh, so this is just basically pumping up everybody with the Furious uh, Assault Special Rule. All your normal dudes. And then... Uh, I don't know. It, it really seems like uh, yeah, like just your classic like it, Blood Claw it, Swarm. Yeah. It does what it says it does, and that's good enough. So yeah. Would you run this, Derek? How do you like this Rite of War? Uh, it's cool. I don't think it's as interesting as the other ones, but it definitely straightforward. It's easy to get the benefit from it. So uh, you can't take any immobile units, but you can still take stuff like Anvilus. Are you cons- are you saying the drop pod's immobile? Is that what you're... Uh, the drop pod to? does have the immobile rule, so... Okay. Nope. False. Fake news. <laughs> All right, so illuminating. Drop pods are not immobile. When they say immobile, they're talking unit type, not a special rule named immobile that's somewhere on the fucking unit. Okay. Well, there we go. When they say immobile units, you look at unit type, and it'll say unit type immobile, like militia, artillery, guns, or tarantulas. Okay. Fortifications. I hear that. Whoop. Or, I just got dealt with. 
<laughs> I see where it's tricky because it says slow and purposeful units, and there's no slow and purposeful unit type. But I get it. I could see where it'd be confusing. Other than that, uh, I guess Derek, what's your list of rights of war that uh that don't work for uh? All right. with, with, I guess it's you know splitting down the line here. So assuming that you don't want to take a right of war that would conflict with your uh, army selection rules that say your HQ choice, your compulsory HQ has to be a Praetor Centurion or the rule where only Grace Slayers may be troops choices, then for your rights of war, that only leaves the two in this book, as well as Orbital Assault, Armored Spearhead, Angel's Wrath, Outcast Sons, Skyhunter Phalanx, and Zomortalis Assault Force. Uh, everything else from the army list either has you taking something specific as your compulsory HQ choice or something else as your compulsory troops choice. So like uh, Primarch's Chosen, your compulsory HQ becomes Lehman Russ. But Lehman Russ is not a Praetor or a Centurion. But just taking Lehman Russ kind of gives you most of that benefit anyway. But just kind of using that as an example. Like Armored Breakthrough, your Predators become compulsory troops and you have to take them as your compulsory. But uh, like I said, check with your TO. If your TO is cool with it, do whatever you want to do. But... That's just how I run it because I don't want to like space will seem like they already get a bunch of really cool stuff and taking gray slayers isn't that big of a downside. I hear you. I understand. And then uh, I guess the other way to look at it is the the free and open way, which I think is the way most tournaments handle it is just uh, take whatever you want until they, you know, until they release an FAQ determining one way or the other. I think most tournaments that you see out there are going to allow you to take a uh, any right of war you want for uh, for your for your space wolves and allow you to replace the compulsory uh, with whatever compulsory troop choice that the uh, rights of war unlock for you. Are there any special ones that stand out for you, Ryan? That take real advantage of these space wolves special rules? I don't want to answer this question. Why is that? Because it's, it's too up in the air as what they can take and they can't take and this and that take and whatever. So, no, I'm good. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. So, so yeah. So it definitely, definitely something that needs to get FAQ'd. I mean, there's a it, just Inferno in general. Uh, I think there was a number of rules question that popped up in Inferno. Um, just hands down, there's a lot that needs some FAQing and it's something that we have written forge world about guys. Uh, we haven't been sleeping on it. Um, these, these questions have been asked and, and unfortunately we can only give you the knowledge that we have from a, a TO standpoint. And a lot of the tournaments that we've seen so far, uh, they're not restrictive of the rights of war. Um, I, I guess really there's a few people that put a lot of thought into it. Uh, but when it does come down to it, there are certain advantages that people can get by, uh, not restricting it. Um, but I think a lot of the, I mean, if you're a new player and you're deciding, you know, if, if you're want to read the ride of war a certain way and you want to, uh, read real deep into the special rules, you're, you're absolutely more than welcome to, but I, I can almost guarantee any event that you play in your area isn't going to restrict, uh, that, uh, re isn't, isn't going to restrict you from, uh, taking like, a 
an armored breakthrough list or anything like that, or armored spearhead. Uh, I, I think that's gonna, you're, you're going to be all right when and anything that manipulates your compulsory. By and large, yeah. By and large, if you are like a new player, like the first podcast you've heard of 30k, because you're interested in breaking into space wolves in this community, it is totally okay and is definitely not a faux pas to communicate with your your event organizer use and what you're not allowed to use so don't take the fine fine print as gospel as long as your intentions are good work with your eo and they're gonna you know work with you they just want everybody we just want everybody to have a good time so don't be afraid to communicate with whoever's organizing that event and uh get the answers that we don't have currently in the fine print yep and i don't think any of the quote-unquote rights of war that they can't take are exploitive with space wolves. It's not like they do something special that if they in particular got access to the jet bike right away breakthrough that they would become this unstoppable force or whatever. Like, I mean, really they're specific shit for those, like it doesn't add anything to either of those rights of war. Right. Exactly. There, there's nothing, I mean, even I mean, even if you're looking at, you know, Drop Assault Vanguard or anything like that, there's just, there's not a whole lot that they can do that, I mean, any, any, there's no units that are... I mean, just, they are, they are close combat centric, so like, Drop Assault Vanguard would be one of, the, would probably be that they, if you read it the way Derek does, don't have access to, that would be appealing, but I mean, it's not like they have like, super over the top assault rules that are way better than... Night Lords. I mean, you could argue in a lot of ways that they have just as good, if not better, close combat rules than Space Wolves. So, and they can take it. So it's not like I, I don't see a problem with them having access to it. And I don't really think that it's unfluffy to say that they wouldn't. Ha- I mean, pretty much every Legion is so big they're going to be able to put together any formation. No, absolutely. I mean, there's. No issues with that. I mean, that, that's hands down. Especially if you're a new player, guys, don't hesitate to uh, to jump on any of those rights of war. If you want an all jet bike, uh, all jet bike uh, space wolf legion, then go do it. It's it's totally fine. No, no nobody's gonna stop you. So we yeah. are. But I mean, there is the possibility that this could get FAQ'd and they <laughs> totally slam the slam the hammer down. You know? Just be be aware. Sure. Just be aware. Well, I mean, that still holds true if they do that. Just hit up your event organizer, let them know, hey, I know this isn't how it run, but I think it's cool. I don't think it's too OP. Can I run this? They'll probably be like, hell yeah. Yeah, and I know if it makes you feel any better, yeah. LVO, Stiff, Adepticon, uh, Nova, none of those have put that restriction on it. So, Oh, I, did, I didn't even look into it, but yeah, that's good to know. So th- those restrictions were not applied for any of the main events. So, And a lot of your local... Uh, a lot of your local tournaments and a lot of your local events take their uh, event packs from these different larger events. And so I would expect that, it, I, I don't know. It, honestly, guys, if you're out there and you're listening to the podcast and your event did restrict uh, Space Wolves in some way, I'd like to hear about it. Call us in and, and let us know. Um, but I would imagine if they did, then they probably also were making you single bomb. And I feel really bad for you. 
uh, you yeah, know, they're there. like some fucking <laughs> special snowflakes who, you know, <laughs> have their heads shoved down in the fucking sand somewhere. So, <laughs> no one's ever gonna, no good EO is ever gonna get in the way of someone having a good time in the name of like honesty. Like, if Let's... someone's just going out and trying to make a cool themed army and play what they want to play, they're not gonna make any arbitrary restrictions to just fuck with people's heads you know that is at least how i feel yeah so unless they got like shit rolled by russ and got super salty yeah that's the only thing i can think of yep well that'll do (laughs) that'll fucking do it right there (laughs) well all right guys that's it for space wolves that's all the special space wolf stuff that's all the special uh space wolves rules that's all the things all the special space wolf rights of war uh i mean that's it that's all we have that's all we have for the space wolves episode I mean, we gotta we gotta still spin the wheel, but do you have anything you want to add in before we get to uh, the wheel spin? No, nah, I'm pretty good. No, nope. said everything I got. Hey, getting- if you've been watching me on since we Skype and I've been looking feverishly for something for the last twenty fucking minutes, it's because one of those spindly little aerials just broke off one of my javelins and I can't find it. I'm fucking very upset right now. <laughs> I will not calm down. <laughs> <laughs> well we hope you find it and uh, all of our hearts go out to you scott and, and once you do find it yeah, please take good. a picture of it to send it out to the facebook page so everybody knows that you're okay christmas right now <laughs> God damn christmas is ruined <laughs> so ryan can we get that wheel busted out i think we're uh Ready to spin that wheel. Let me explain how this works, guys. This works, guys. So we have a wheel. Uh, Ryan has a wheel uh, that is a the classic like. We we have a wheel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we have a wheel, and it's the classic like spinny wheel. I don't know what you call it. Uh, the the pie wedge wheel. And on each pie wedge, we actually have every thirty k horse heresy podcast out there, and some YouTube channels on there as well. Uh, and what we do is too many that there's more than there are fucking slots anymore. That's yeah. So I don't know what to tell them. So so we do have a rule where you do have to have a minimum of four episodes before we put you on the wheel. So uh, there there is some podcasts that have not made it onto the wheel yet. Uh, but just to let you guys know the way this works is we actually spin this wheel on whatever podcast it lands on. Uh, we send them a a care package of our uh, our local foods and you know like snacks and things like that that they can't get in their country or their state or anything like that. Uh, and what we do is once it lands on that pie piece, we actually remove them. Uh, fr- they're still on the wheel, but we actually replace them with a, a user, which is like a, a user-submitted, um, like a listener pie wedge. And the way that works is when it lands on the listener pie wedge, what we do is we actually go to our most recent episode that we posted on our Facebook page, and we draw from the listeners who shared that Facebook post for our uh, – for our, our post showing that we have dropped a new episode. So if it lands on the listener's spot or one of the one of the uh, the start out podcasts that we've already sent a uh, sent a care package to, then there's a chance that you as a listener can get sent some some goodies. So pretty exciting. Ryan, do you want to read out who we got on that uh, as far as podcasts go? You want to read out who we got on there? Uh yes, hang on. There was one that we... I love that noise. Ticket, ticket, ticket. Okay, so we got Geno52, who are sharing a spot with Legion of Lies because 
Geno 5 2 is already won, so we replaced them with Legion of Lies, but I left both so you could. We'd, we would remember to read both off. Yeah, powerful Alistair. We got. Um, let me see. We got Age of Darkness, Sons of Heresy, um, Imperial Truth. Powerful Greg Dan. Yep. Who got his um, his pre released Age of Darkness rulebook? Drop podcast. Powerful Sean the Freed, the Violence Freed. The thirty K channel. And just real quick on the Drop Podcast, uh, if you remember the Seizing Initiative podcast, now the Drop Pod actually has Sean the Violence. Uh, he's their thirty K correspondent over there. Uh, and if you actually, if you're if you're a listener now and you've listened to our Rapier Battery Stories episode, he actually recorded two of those. Dude, Sean's one of my favorite guys out there, and uh, definitely go check him out at the Drop Pod. Let them know that you love their new correspondent and uh, how how happy you are that he's theirs now. So, so anyway, sorry for derailing. Um, you. yeah, Road to Terra, Eye of Horus, Probably. Northern Heresy. Varangian Heresy, Don't Lose Your Head, Covenant of Fire, Powerful Jake, <laughs> Dice. And I think that's all of them, right? That's all of them. That's, that's it. Are you ready to spin that wheel? I'm getting super excited because Scott's going to yes. make it the whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> Can't find this fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> um so here we go so let's see we got stars we got one two three four five five listener slots five listener slots possible perfect and let me go ahead and see the wheel spinning boys oh here i'll turn it do 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 oh 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 oh, 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 it's still going. Oh. She's still going. Stop. It stopped. It stopped. It's the fucking Loaded Dice Podcast. The oh, Loaded yeah. Dice Podcast. Congratulations, Loaded Dice Podcast. Uh, we'll be getting a care That's package. Andrew Hollis and Andrew Leitio, I think. Yeah, pretty out sure. Of, out of the uh, Australian wastelands of single bombing and lazy heresy. You guys get it. Not nice anymore. In the box. Not anymore. <laughs> I'm going to send them a multi-bombing hat. Fucking troll them. Candy bar. Hashtag. I'm going to write hashtag multi-bombing on all their fucking candy. You know what? <laughs> Let's get together. We got some swag we need to make them. <laughs> some fun stuff we got to send. Oh, powerful Andrew. So, guys, uh, just a heads up that now that wedge is going to be turned into a listener wedge. So, the next time we spin the wheel, there's a possibility that... Uh, they will. That could be you. All you have to do is share the SoundCloud, uh, the link that we post on our Facebook page, and uh, we'll be good to go. Once again, we are ready for Istvan. You can find us on Facebook um, as well. We normally, uh, during our normal episodes, we play voicemails for individuals that call into our voicemail line. Our phone number is two zero nine RFI thirty K zero. If you are an international caller and you want to just uh, record us a voicemail. Uh, to and, and email that into us. That way, you don't have to suffer the international charges. Uh, you can send that to Michael at Warhammer30k.com, or Ryan at Warhammer30k.com, or Derek at Warhammer30k.com, or Scott at Warhammer30k.com. Send that into us. We will get it played. Uh, we play it 
right after our hobby progress, we go through some voicemails. We get some crazy ones. And uh, just because we actually have recorded this so close to our last recording, uh, there was no time for us to get any more voicemails with the, the Christmas holiday and all that jazz. So we didn't have any for this episode. But uh, if you have any questions for us, guys, or if any part of this uh, Space Wolf discussion or anything like that, if you had any concerns or anything like that, uh, just shoot me personally an email, michael at warhammer30k.com, and uh, I will make sure I forward them over to Derek at warhammer30k.com so he can get all of the uh, all yeah. of your, your, your Space Wolf questions. Yeah, I was about to say, you could just, if you take issue with anything I personally have said, you just email me at Derek at warhammer30, warhammer30k.com. Sorry, I've been doing a lot of talking this episode. Uh, yeah, just if you just shoot me an email personally, and uh, I will do what I can. And if for some reason you feel like you want to throw away all of your models after hearing us uh, talk badly about Games Workshop, let us know, and we will personally cut you a refund check for the uh, for the podcast episode. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we had to take that. We made it all this way taking the fucking high road, and Michael's got to put a dagger in my back. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so anyway, we're that's almost here. <laughs> fucking Christmas, and you gotta go ruin it. <laughs> yeah, fucking Michael, shit on Christmas. <laughs> last night, you mother, you're gonna end up in a goddamn snow globe at the end of this fucking movie. It's like the mother motherfuckers. <laughs> that's how it works, guys. That's how it works. So we made it to the end of the episode. I'm, I'm excited for. I'm, I feel bad for Scott that he's over there listening, looking for that little. Yeah, bit. this is really fucking shitting on my night right now. <laughs> hey, it's right there. It's right there. Oh, you don't know that. <laughs> you don't God say that. What is it? What are you missing? He's missing you the front You know these tip. fucking things? Goddamn stupid fucking pipes that stick off the front of javelin land spears. Hey, you know what you do to those? What? You magnetize them on there so they're breakaway, so you don't fucking snap them off. Well, I'm about to cut them all the fuck off and just follow them down to shorter <laughs> versions of the ones in the... <laughs> they're about to match the other ones, I think. <laughs> oh, my goodness, boys. <laughs> this is real. This is life. <laughs> well, Scott, like I said, whenever you do find it, which I know you will, uh, just go ahead and take a picture with it, and that way we all know you're safe and that... Right. You know, all Thanks. our listeners can know. Does your does your officially licensed night. RFI uh, apron have pockets? <laughs> yes. Did it, it did it fall in the pocket? No, <laughs> I don't think so. I'll check. We could we couldn't spring for the pockets. God, it has a pocket. It. it has a front pocket. Your apron has a pocket, right on the top, like a little pin pocket. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's got a little pocket. Have anymore. This is fucking quality TV. People need to see Scott doing this fucking <laughs> dip <laughs> dance that he's doing. It's like he's. Like dance moves, because like every five, he picks shit up. He's picking the same shit up. He's already picked up ten times, looking at the exact same space. He's already looked at ten times. Then he's gonna stick his hands in all his pockets again. <laughs> then he's gonna spin around and look on the floor, look at the chair, and then just repeat it all again, this like is, it's dance then, moves. Then Michael's gonna edit cha-cha slide onto it. <laughs> Where could it have gone? That's what I want to fucking know. Gravity would tell me down. But that's not where it is. By the way, this entire episode, I've been arguing with these fucking whiny Mechanicum players over the new rulebook and the Graviton Imploder change. It's so goddamn hilarious. We're going to make fun of them so fucking bad on the next episode. It's going to be awesome. I cannot wait. I love it, guys. I'm excited it. for that. Well, all right, guys. We're gonna oh, my God. My one unit option <laughs> on this one unit in this one army list has fucking changed. Fuck heresy. Oh, my God. 
It's not oh, like I can't fuck? take one of these five other fucking weapon options or just take a total different unit. Oh, look at that. Oh, that's a powerball. That. That's a powerball. That's what that is. Bam. <laughs> Hey, Christmas, hey, 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 I think his apron's lifting. Did you guys see that? I saw a little bump behind that apron. <laughs> well, all right, guys. We're going to go and switch y'all over to some music. Appreciate you staying the whole episode. So, Scott, come sign off. Come say bye because you, you never get to. And I'm, hey, I'm real excited. Merry Christmas. And a happy New Year. <laughs> Merry Christmas, guys. I love happy you, brother. I'm gl- I hope you guys had a good Christmas. And thank you for my Christmas gift. And I'm glad we had dinner there tonight. That was fun. Yes, sir. We'll see you again soon. <laughs> Y'all have a good one, guys. Of you too, Michael and Derek. Even though you're not close enough to fucking come ziplining caves and eat fucking hot chicken with us, like yeah. you should. I, I'm just glad you had a great time. Yeah, you just you earned it. You earned it, Ryan. <laughs> All I right. Did. My beard was blowing up over my eyes. I could barely even see it because it was doing this when I was ziplining at 45 miles an hour. <laughs> oh, oh, real quick. At the end of the at the end of it, there's a side by side zip line and you get to race somebody if you want. And my wife wanted to race me and she doesn't beat me at very many things and she always likes to tell people, I never beat him at anything, blah blah blah. He's so cocky, such a poor winner, and she always shits on me and she roots against me in everything I do in life just because she says I win too easily <laughs> at everything, so she gets mad about it. Even though she's on Team Ryan. I mean, we live in the same fucking house. Like 95% of the good shit that happens to me is happening to her. So she really shouldn't fucking <laughs> shit on me. Like it's we're really kind of teammates. That being said, she beat me in zip lining. And she's been literally walking around telling every stranger that will listen to her talk. I beat him. Like just random conversation. People people don't even ask. They're just like, hey, did you have fun? Yeah. So anyway, I'm telling the world. All Eight and a half of you that listen to this podcast, my wife beat me <laughs> in ziplining. It's a fucking, it's a true story. Real talk. She there beat me go. in ziplining. I really hope that Shane makes you makes her a shirt that says I beat Ryan in ziplining. <laughs> like, Shane, if you can just get on that. That way. That just, way. So you, just so you know, I immediately thought of that. I immediately thought, I'm going to call Shane and get a fucking I beat Ryan in ziplining shirt for Emily. But now the surprise is ruined because she listens to this podcast. So if she <sighs> made it this far. Well, all right. I'm glad, I'm glad we got to got to set that off for our brand new listeners. <laughs> got to enjoy the rest of the music from this episode. So, guys, before we talk to y'all again, it will be the new year. So, happy new year to uh, all of our listeners out there. Before we get a new episode out to you, so. Yep. All right, guys. Me and Scott are gonna kiss when the ball drops. That's right. That's what I heard. I didn't want to say anything. 2018. We do what we want now. Fucking <laughs> What we need to do is call Chris Duncan over and then do the thing where you put your fucking lips like right next to his head and then when you say hey and he turns and he kisses you on accident. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, we all have a good one. Night, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
growing up just change your body? Or also your soul? <sighs> Maybe I could just stay the same forever. <laughs>